Good evening. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville. Sorry for the delay there for you on the live broadcast. Uh, trying to figure out a couple of things of why, uh, uh, well, we weren't simulcasting somewhere, but we're, we should be up and running. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Thursday edition, uh, 7 o'clock. Or what time is it? I don't even know what time it is. We're coming to you from the NABC studios. Thanks to D3Hoops.com, of course. Once all, thanks our partners at Blue Frame Technology uh, as sponsor of our hotline number. And, of course, thanks to our partners at the WBCA as well. Always uh, good to work with them. We appreciate their time um, as well. If you got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on Instagram at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville there as well. As we uh, we don't interact there during the show, but you can certainly see what we've got for guests coming up and all of that jazz. Also, um, let's see, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Well, we're supposed to be live simulcasting the show. Uh, I've sent the information accordingly. That's what our delay there at the top of the show was all about. Um, not sure why uh, we're not we're not getting it out the way we're supposed to be getting it out. But nonetheless, we're doing our best. Um, and <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's not perfect. It's not a perfect system sometimes. And, uh, we're seeing that as on display, um, get lots to talk about today. Lots to talk about. Let's start breaking it down. Um, first off the 61 game winning streak, the longest in college basketball is over is the number one hope women's basketball team lost to number four trine last night. Um, heck of a game, uh, Hope was down, I believe, by about 15 before rallying to cut it back to within um, two, right? They got within two? They at least got within four. I think they got within two with about a minute 11 left, but just couldn't get over the hump. They kept forcing turnovers at the end on their full court pressure, but then couldn't turn them into points, whether they were missing free throws, they were missing easy shots. They they even rushed some shots. It felt, um, well, it was weird because it felt very hope in a sense that they were coming back, they were rallying, they were fighting for it, but it felt very unlike hope in the fact that they were missing free throws, they were missing opportunities. Um, it was crazy. And But here's the thing. If they were going to lose this streak to trying, A, not surprising, B, there are worse teams to lose to, um, and C, expected. Listen, remember, Gordon Mann and I talked about whether uh, Hope could continue this run on our show right before Christmas. And we indicated if they were to break the record, it would be early next year, the record that Wash U had set, uh, that they could win their first national championship during this streak uh, this year, considering they could have won three by this point if the streak had been intact. And we talked about the fact that, that the one team that could beat them would be Trine. Now, Trine didn't get them at their place. Trine ended up getting them at Hope, which is really impressive, beating them at DeVos Fieldhouse. Um, Trine played well. Trine played really well, I would say, into the last five, ten minutes. Uh, I don't know if they ran out of gas. I don't know if what happened. Um, I was watching that and three other games simultaneously. Um, so I was trying to keep track of it. Hope certainly buckled back down on defense. They were giving up a lot of easy opportunities defensively throughout the game. But they buckled down defensively. They got a rally in. Trying miss some opportunities as well, certainly, but they also hit the free throws and hit the opportunities they needed to to just keep Hope at bay. Bay. So the 61 game winning streak for Hope is over. I wouldn't be surprised if they stayed number one. To be honest with you, Christopher Newport, who now has the longest winning streak in Division Three at 33 games, uh, could easily become the new number one team as they sit number two. But I could also see a lot of people keeping Hope number one. 
I think the argument is there. Granted, in women's basketball, it's not there as much as in ba- men's basketball where we expect the losses. We don't expect uh, undefeated seasons. There's only one left in men's basketball, and that's St. Joseph's of Connecticut. Uh, so on the women's side, Hope may not stay number one. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. I think it'll be a fascinating top 25. And we'll, and we'll get the take from the guys coming up on the top 25 double take coming up later. Scott Peterson and um, Riley Zaris uh, will join us on the show. Um, by the way, another streak that ended was St. Scholastica women's basketball 27-game 20, losing streak. Uh, they defeated St. Catherine last night, 61-55. Their last win had come February 8th, 2020 against Crown. So a 27-game losing streak and a 61-game winning streak both ended in women's basketball last night. Uh, lots of other things going on in women's basketball, we should point out. I actually highlighted a bunch of items. First and, uh, first and foremost, just in, to recap, obviously Hope loses. They've got Albion coming up. Pretty good team. I think I feel bad for o- Albion because Hope's going to be on a mission. Trine's got Olivet coming up. Question becomes, do they have a letdown uh, taking on Olivet on the road? We'll see. I- I'm not betting on it, but we'll see. Uh, Simpson defeated Loris by seven last night. They've got Wartburg coming up. Wartburg, in the meantime, lost to Dubuque in overtime, 68-62. So big weekend um, for both Simpson and Wartburg, and Wartburg a little bit on their heels at this point. Uh, NY, uh, no, I don't want to talk about NYU yet. Um, uh, Whitewater got past Stevens Point, but they needed double overtime to do it, 74-69. Uh, Springfield undefeated no more. They lost to MIT 76-72. One of MIT's players scored 44 points of the team 76 in that win. Uh, so Springfield now 16 and one, uh, they'll probably take a little bit of a hit in the top 25. Uh, Eau Claire, the number 16 team in the country lost to Oshkosh by 13, 60 to 53. And, uh, St. John Fisher lost its second game of the season. Ithaca got him 76-54, 22 point victory there for Ithaca over St. John Fisher. In the receiving votes category, Mary Washington's a little bit on their heels now. They've lost to Stevenson this week, and they got Christopher Newport coming up. Carroll lost to Augustana, 67-58. They'll play and then beat Wheaton, 57-47. By the way, they got Augustana coming up this weekend, so Carroll's got a little bit of work ahead of them. Uh, And then other things that are coming up that we'll be watching, uh, Christopher Newport takes on Mary Washington this weekend. Uh, Trine and Hope, we mentioned, uh, Trine's got Olivet. Hope's got Albion coming up this weekend. Whitman, who defeated Whitworth, will play Willamette this weekend. NYU's got both Rochester and Emory ahead of them. We'll see if they can stay undefeated. Uh, Transylvania, by the way, still undefeated. They've got Bluffton ahead of them this week. Tufts has got number 21 Bowden before taking on Colby. Um, Baldwin Wallace has number 19 Marietta coming up. So that's a 14 v 19 game this weekend. Uh, East Texas Baptist has taken on receiving votes category uh, Texas-Dallas, so 18 ETBU against UTD. That'll be a pretty good game. Uh, We mentioned Marietta's got Baldwin-Wallace coming up. Mary Harden-Baylor has got Harden-Simmons coming up here tonight. Um, Bowden's got a big weekend. They take on number eight Tufts, and then they take on receiving votes team Bates. So Bowden's got a big weekend. Remember, Bates beat Bowden earlier this season. Uh, Harden-Simmons has got Mary Harden-Baylor, as we mentioned. They also then have Concordia, Texas. Uh, That's all coming ahead. So interesting uh, situation on the women's side. On the men's side, of course, it was a huge night in basketball. I I wish I could have queued it up. I wanted to play because the name of the show is Oh, What a Night, Late December. Of course, it's January. It's late late January. But late January ended up being uh, a heck of a night in men's basketball. Um, 
Illinois Wesleyan lost to Elmer 74-66. I'll be honest with you, Elmer seemed very much in control of that game. Uh, got through the Illinois defense rather easily in that game at, at moments. Uh, a lot of open passes inside in the paint. I don't know. Again, I was watching three games simultaneously, so hard to pinpoint. I wasn't able to listen to the broadcast. But it just didn't seem like Illinois Wesleyan was their normal selves. Um, Elmer's played really well, granted, at Elmer's. And we all know that CCIW games are tough. Though a lot of conference games are tough. Let's just be flat out honest. Conference opponents know you the best, making conference games, period, across every conference, the most difficult. That's why we always talk about this point in the season. If a team can go undefeated, even in a weak conference, it doesn't mean they can because they very well could lose the game. Uh, Oshkosh lost to Eau Claire last night in overtime. I was watching that one as well, 74-72. Eau Claire nearly blew it. They had a, a much more comfortable lead late in the second half, and Oshkosh came storming back. Uh, tied the game late, and Eau Claire just couldn't get the winner before the buzzer, but then held on in overtime to win 74-72. Platteville uh, avoided a quote-unquote upset. It was number 5 Platteville versus number 10 Lacrosse, and Platteville got the one, win 76-72. That's the third loss for Lacrosse. Uh, they've got non-conference Bethel coming up. Um, Mount Union uh, just squeaked past John Carroll, 89-80. Uh, they'll have Ohio Northern this weekend. Uh, let's see. WPI took a took a huge hit. Uh, number 17, WPI lost to Coast Guard 77-55. Uh, not a great loss for WPI. Of course, these are types of games this, now with this pandemic that we you look in to see who's maybe available, who wasn't available. Uh, I don't know the situation there, but that's a tough loss for WPI. Team I wasn't voting for, and I don't, I don't have a lot of good reason. I just didn't feel comfortable and didn't feel like I was getting the whole story. That's going to lose a lot of votes for WPI. Um, we mentioned Elmer's uh, having beaten Illinois Wesleyan. Don't forget, earlier in the week, they lost to North Central 79-70. Um, Elmer's is now 13-5, and and I think they're something like 500 in their last six games. Is that right? I don't have it immediately in front of me. I should, but I don't have it immediately in front of me. Or maybe I do, buried under here. Oh, I do. Hold on. Let me see if I can find Elmer's real fast here. Um do, do, do. Apologize. Here we go. So Elmhurst, um, let's see, back on the 12th, they lost to Illinois Wesley, and then they beat Augustana, and then they lost to Wheaton. Um, then they played North Central and lost that, then beat Illinois Wesley. So in their last five, they are two or uh, two and three. Yeah, I believe that's right. Two and three in their last five. Uh, so rough go for Elmhurst, though they're also playing spoiler. I mean, it's it's crazy. Hard to read. Hard to read Elmers. To be to be honest, really hard to to read Elmers. Uh, in the receiving votes category, by the way, DeSales, who I was voting for, lost to Wilkes forty six forty. I think DeSales had a double digit lead at halftime, and again, that's a forty six forty four loss to Wilkes. Um, I you know, DeSales is a good team, but you can't take that. And there were a couple other losses in the top twenty five receiving votes category. Tufts, for example, who's seven and nine, lost to Wesley in sixty five sixty four. You got an and Wesley number twenty. Got us now. Great game, great. But at this point, I think we got to stop voting for Tufts. Um, they got Bowden and Colby ahead of them. Speaking of games that are ahead of them, and we got to get going because we got guests ahead of us. Randolph Macon's got Hamden Sydney coming up at Hamden Sydney, and that's a much improved Hamden Sydney squad. Keep an eye on that one for the Yellow Jackets. Um, other also coming up games that that caught my attention: Johns Hopkins and Swarthmore will be at Swarthmore. That's twelve Hopkins versus fifteen SWAT. That's a big game coming up on Saturday, especially in the Centennial. Remember, SWAT won the game at Hopkins last go-around. Um, Wheaton's got Springfield, or WPI, I'm sorry, has Springfield ahead of them. 
that, that's a game to keep an eye on. As, as much as Springfield may not be the, the great team of the last few years, uh, it doesn't mean Charlie Brock isn't going to be ready for that WPI squad. Uh, Wheaton's got North Central ahead of them. Uh, Elmers has got North Park ahead of them. Wesleyan, who beat Tufts, as we mentioned, has Amherst and Hamilton this weekend, so it's not easy for them, to say the least. By the way, DeSales has Misericordia ahead of them. So a couple of things that caught our attention, and lots going on, lots of upsets. Top 25 will have an impact. We'll certainly talk more about that on the men's side on Monday's show, but we'll talk more about the women's side coming up. Uh, lots more to talk about, but we got to get going. Here's our guest for today. St. Lawrence women's basketball coach uh, Dan, Dan Rozier is going to join us here shortly. Messiah women's basketball coach Mike Miller will join us after that. We'll hear from uh, Wabash men's basketball coach Kyle Brummett. Uh, he'll join us to talk about a team that's flying a bit under the radar. Then we'll head to the West Coast, or almost. Damian Jimbalowski will join us from Whitworth Men's Basketball, and then we'll do the Top 25 double tick. So that's all ahead here on a very busy Thursday edition of Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're trying to simulcast the show, and it doesn't seem like it wants to go. I, I don't quite understand it. We will keep working on that. We are on YouTube Live as well, in case you want to join us there. But of course, I want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their Team One Sports app for our streaming capabilities here. We'll be back with more on Hoopsil after this. NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein.
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook. Seriously, we're trying to live stream there. I have no idea why it just does not want to cooperate. We'll give it one more go here in a moment. Um, if Again, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, by the way. That, that's how you interact with us. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, Lots to talk about, as, we, as we've mentioned, in Division Three basketball. And sometimes we get teams that are kind of flying a bit under the radar. If you look at the latest uh, top 25, there's definitely some women's teams with one or zero, actually, zero losses. Webster's not even being voted for right now. One loss, two loss, not getting any top 25 attention, mainly because there's a ton of women's teams in that situation. We like shining a light on teams that might be flying a bit under the radar. And one of those is joining us now on the Blue Flame Technology Hoops Hotline. It's the St. Lawrence Women's Basketball Program. Uh, Coach uh, Dan Reuter joins us to talk about the 15 and one squad. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time. Second of all, heck of a heck of a season so far. Uh, thank you, Dave, for having me. Um, we have had a good year so far. We've won some close games, and uh, we continue to battle despite some injuries. And uh, look forward to the next few weeks. It, it'll it'll keep you on your toes, as they say, the next few weeks. Uh, Liberty League, obviously, you all know each other well. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but again, 15 and one for a program that I think to some degree we get used to you having good seasons. I, I don't think we know what to make of them. I mean, two seasons ago, you're 18 and nine, uh, four seasons or three seasons ago, so four seasons ago, 17 and nine. You kind of have these up and down, back and forth above 500, below 500. But it's a program that's usually in the conversation in the East region. But what's making this squad different than maybe years past? I think uh, we have veteran experience this year. That uh, team two years ago, we still started uh, two sophomores and two juniors, and now those kids are seniors uh, all together, and um, and that's making a big difference. We make good plays at crucial times of the game, and uh, when you start freshmen and sophomores, even a mix of them, you know that's always more of a challenge. So I think our veteran leadership this year has been very beneficial for us. Uh, that certainly is a key. We'll talk more about the team here in a moment. Your one loss is to Ithaca in overtime. Of course, Ithaca just got a big win uh, last night as well, 71-70. That means the standings, you're technically tied with uh, Vassar at 9-1, and one, and Ithaca's lurking at 8-1. and one. Uh, it's, It seems like a three-horse race at this point in time, and that was not a, a hit at Skidmore there at 4-4. Four and 9-1 four. Um, and one with Vassar and Ithaca. I mean, when I look at this conference, Ithaca we're used to. Vassar's a little bit of a surprise. They're doing well. And then you guys are sitting there. Is it just those three? Or do you really have to worry about those we haven't talked about? Well, I think uh, I think there's three other teams that could knock us three off. I think Vassar, Ithaca, and ourselves are right now a little bit ahead of those teams. Um, but not so far that on a given night they couldn't, you know, beat a team. And so our goal is to keep beating those teams and then battle it out with both Vassar and Ithaca. Yeah, it, it, listen, it, it won't be easy. We, we are certainly aware of that. The Liberty League never is. What was it about the Ithaca game in overtime back on the 14th that just didn't go your way? Well, we had a bunch of turnovers, and they were live ball turnovers, so they resulted in some layups for Ithaca, and, um, and, and like six of them. So that's 12 free points that we gave them on layups. We actually had a five-point lead with two minutes to go on the ball, mm. and we had three turnovers in a row. Mm. And uh, and that allowed that opened the door for Ithaca. Um, they didn't convert every time, but they got it close. And uh, and and then uh, they had a player make a play with nine seconds left, and uh, 
and we had a shot at, at the buzzer and it was in and out and around the rim, but it wouldn't fall in and uh, game to Ithaca. What I find interesting is when I look at it, well, I mean, you talk about the turnovers. That's a little bit reminiscent of what I watched last night with Hope and Trine. Trine just was able to hold on a little bit. But you talk about the turnovers. How much, you talk about senior leadership, how much is that game now feeding you guys? Hey, we got to play out the 40 minutes. We got to close out these games. We got to not let those opportunities kind of just pass us by. Or is it forget and move on? Well, I think for that one, it's it's learn and forget. Okay. You know, we have to have to learn from those experiences. And uh, one of them, you know, we just didn't meet the ball very well. And um, another one was a bad pass. So there's there's learning experiences. So hopefully we don't repeat them. And those are the mistakes we haven't made in our other games that we closed out. You know, we had an overtime win against Hamilton. We beat Williams by one point. And so we've had some nice wins. Um, where we didn't make those mistakes at the end of the game. And, and, but one of them we did, and that cost us. Um, obviously, mistakes are key, but a season can be a grind. So, mm-hmm. see, you know, errors are going to happen. How do, you, how do you mitigate them? How do you get past them? How does a team like in yours, who, I mean, everyone's going to make mistakes, learn, well, in your case, learn from it, but more importantly, know that next time you won't have that happen. Like how does that mentality work? Well, I think, you know, it all starts in practice. You tend to play like you practice. So uh, we've made it more of a point. We've watched film on it so we can talk about how we fix those errors. You know, it's just, it's not just quit turning it over. It's how do you stop turning it over and what are the fundamentals that are involved? So, you know, we've met as a team, I've met with some individuals um, you know, one was just our footwork was bad on a pass. And yeah. so we didn't get much on it. And, and footwork drills are the, you know, they're super important for a coach. Players hate them, of course, but they're critical. And, um, and, and I think our team, because we're veterans, they're buying into how important little drills like that are. Um, but like you said, every now and then you're going to make a mistake. And when you make too many of them in a game against a quality opponent like Ithaca, who can take advantage of them, it comes back to haunt you a bit. Let's talk about the details. you got four players essentially in double figures. You're led by Ava McCann, 13 and a half mm-hmm. points a game, two and a half rebounds, um, shoots really well, 36% from beyond the arc, 38% from the floor, and 74% from the free throw line. Uh, Katie Frederick, le- uh, really almost 12 points a game, hauling in 14 rebounds on top of that on average, so right. a double-double average. Doesn't take any threes, but she shoots 51% from the floor. Olivia Berenger... Ten and a half points a game, eight rebounds a game. So that that double duo of Frederick and Berenger jumps off the table as a dangerous threat. By the way, she Berenger shoots fifty six percent and doesn't mm-hmm. take an outside shot. We'll talk about free throws in a minute, though. Uh, and then Dylan Watkins, ten points a game, four rebounds a game. She is your main assist leader, though everybody seems to assist in that category. Uh, she also shoots really well from outside. So you've got mm-hmm. this interesting, at least statistically. Two outsiders, two insiders who, and, and granted we play five on the floor, we can get to that in a minute, but those two alone really makes it tough on defenses, right? Because if you're going to leave one outside shooter alone, there's going to be another. If you're going to leave one inside presence alone, there's going to be another. Right, right. I've, uh, I've told this to the team. I believe championships are one in the post, but you have to have perimeter shooters to protect them. Otherwise, they just get double teamed. And right now we have a really, really good mix. Um, and they understand the game well. They're playing together. 
So, you know, our posts don't mind kicking it out when they're double teamed and our guards are making shots. So then other teams quit double teaming and now our posts can go to work inside and it's a good balance. Olivia and Katie, you know, one, six, three, one is six, one, but she plays like she's six, three, cause she's really long. And, um, and those two are tough. There's not many teams that have two bigs like ours. And, and, um, you know, they usually have one and they can match up on one, but it's hard for them to match up on both. And uh, Dylan has done a fantastic job of running the point. And Ava is probably the best shooter I've ever coached in 18 years. And, um, you know, when she gets hot, she's unbelievable. I think the distance from the arc has affected her a little bit. Her shooting is down 5%, but she led the league as a sophomore. And now as a senior, she attracts a lot of attention on the defensive end and that just opens up other players yeah um we'll get to the other players in a moment but i, I don't want to get too far past frederick and Beringer's one weakness and that's free throw shooting they're both <laughs> below 50 percent uh they didn't move that line back if memory serves but um, a random question for you i seem to notice that free throw shooting is down in general could that be that we did have this year where a lot of teams didn't play didn't have practices. Yes, you played a few games last year. And and really the fundamentals to some degree have slipped, including free throw shooting, because there's not a lot of people go out and shoot free throws in, in their front yard. Right. No, I, I agree with you. I think the quality of basketball is just down a little bit. And, you know, rightfully so, um, especially here in the Northeast where everything was shut down pretty much. And so um, uh, it has been difficult, even you know, kids who wanted to play, they couldn't get in gyms. Right. Like you said, it had to be in, in the in the driveway. And uh, and that's not real conducive to quality practicing. And so I, I think that's true. I mean, even in our league, I see other teams, we're not a good free throw shooting team by far. And one of our challenges is our, our worst two shooters, Katie and Olivia, get the most free throws. Right. So our team average doesn't look good. We do have some good shooters on the team too. Yeah. And um but I think it's down, you know, uh, across our league for sure, because I studied them a lot. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's down elsewhere as well. Yeah, not to pick on, on Frederick and, and Beringer, there's about five players with numbers that jump out at you who are getting significant free throws versus some others who've gotten only mm -hmm. a handful. But uh, Frederick at 48%, Beringer at 43 and the team at 55%. It, it, you want to keep it from turning into a hack-a-shack type situation. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um, uh, you know, they tend to make one out of two. So we get a point. And, uh, and the goal at the end of the game is to get the ball into our top shooters hands. We've been able to do that so far. Yeah. I mean, obviously three point opportunities, if it's one out of two and they hit that one bonus one on a, on a made shot, then it's golden for you. It, it, yeah. if this, we don't need to worry even about the second one, possibly. Uh, we didn't mention some others who certainly stand out. Olivia Middleton, uh, Stella Davis, Sierra Stanson, um, uh, Middleton's only played in nine games, but my point being is a lot of points there before we get to the rest. So while we got the top four, you also have two, three, four more players who can contribute when necessary. And that certainly helps as well. So it seems like you have good top, but really good depth. We do. And Olivia Middleton is a great basketball player. Um, I projected her to start, but she had a knee injury that kept her out pretty much up till Christmas. And so she's just coming back right now. And, um, that will add to our team, no question. She's really shifty. She's a good shooter. She's a great passer. And um, she's just kind of working her way into game shape right now. She's been back for about four weeks. And, um, I mean, she's a player that can, you know, 
dominate a game. She could put up 20 anytime. And uh, we're just waiting for her to get to that level again. You lost a couple of games earlier in the season, or earlier this month, January 4th and 7th against Cortland and Bard. Bard being a conference play, Cortland being a non-conference play. I just noticed that you guys have added them back on. Uh, Bard will take place on, I believe, the 24th. Uh, and then you'll right. squeeze in Cortland on the 31st. So you're coming up on a stretch here of a lot of games in a tight span. How do you approach yep. that from yep. a team t- perspective? Well, we played. We actually played Bard this past Monday, Dave. The 24th was this oh, Monday. Oh, right. So you're we, right. It is the 24th. Yeah. I, I'm fine. I know my dates. <laughs> <laughs> so we just finished them. The Cortland game was canceled. They, uh, they, The Sunnis got changed a little bit. Gotcha. And I don't think our schedule's been updated yet. No, it, has. it has. It just hadn't gotten that far. Canceled. Yep, I see it's canceled yep. now. But, so. but still, you're squeezing in games. Because when you add in the Bard, Bard game, so you went literally... I'm trying to find an easy date to start this. Let's start January 14th. So mm-hmm. You played Ithaca then. The next day played RPI. Three days later played Clarkson. Two days later RIT. The next day Smith or William Smith. Two days later right. Bard. Four days later Vassar. Next day Bard. Uh, you're supposed to play SUNY on the 31st before you got another break. So you right. had a little bit of a stretch here that's been really tough. How are you keeping the team fresh? Yeah, well, we're taking two days off a week right now. Wow. And so... Um, we're trying to keep their legs fresh and we've cut practices down to 90 minutes with, with veterans on my team. We get a lot out of our 90 minutes right now. And so, you know, as long as they're intense and focused um, now we'll, we'll actually go two hours, but a half hour is film or strength training or something else. But no, I think this year, especially after taking off last year, rest is really important and, um, and, and both mentally and physically. And so, you know, we couldn't do that the week of Clarkson. Um, yeah. But when we played Bard Monday, we actually took Tuesday off again. And then we have two days of practice to get ready for Vassar Bard. And then the rest of the year now, we play Friday, Saturday. Yeah. The- so we practice, we take off Sunday, we practice Monday, and then we take off Tuesday again. And then come back with practices Wednesday, Thursday, and then play on the weekend. Yeah. I mean, the month of February is actually in pretty good shape. You, you play mm-hmm. six games between the 4th and the 19th. Four of them are on the road. Uh, the first four, you won't you won't get back home until the end. So my my other question would be: Are you going to try and make up the game you lost with with uh, Cortland? Not necessarily Cortland, but are you going to try and make up a non conference game somewhere in there just to make sure you get the max you can? I've reached out to a few teams. I want to, you know, with the competition in our league, I don't want to sacrifice league games yeah. for for that. And um, you know, I did. I was not happy with three games per week for three straight weeks. That was going to be tough. And um, we've got two of them done. The other one has been canceled and I've reached out, but it it needs to be on a specific date. Yeah. And, um, and it needs to not involve a ton of travel. The the Bard game was tough for us because it was, it's a close to a six hour trip. And Mm -hmm. we left that morning, played that night and came back that day. And um, you know, so it's a 15 hour day. Yeah. And if I have to do that again, it starts affecting other games. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I think this year, you know, if we go into the um, uh, the NCAA selection and they look and we have 24 games, I think they understand, yeah. you know, this year of all years that, hey, there are some teams that just weren't able to pack them all in. And that's where the winning percentage is, is the key word there. It's not necessarily right. total games. Uh, quickly, back to the conference. Obviously, six games left in that February stretch. 
uh, and it will include, as we mentioned, uh, some of the teams you're going to be playing against uh, for that run. Um, Ithaca's coming up on the 12th, for example. You're done with with Vassar. How do you stay on top, or can you stay on top? Or is it? I mean, I know home court advantage is is important. Is this that something that you guys can take advantage of and force everybody? We should point out to go to the furthest northern reaches of New York State. <laughs> Um, you know, I think we got a shot. The conference runs through Ithaca, though. They beat us on our court. And so we have to go to their place and get a W. And I know how hard that's going to be. Our players know how hard that's going to be as well. Um, but, you know, we also look forward to the challenge of, of doing that. And, and if you want the top seed, you got to earn it. It's not going to be given to us. And, um, you know, I think Vassar, Vassar has to come here and go to Ithaca. Um, Ithaca gets to host both of us. So, and we get to host one and go on the road for one. And, um, and we got to be real careful because as I mentioned, there's some other teams that can knock you off if we don't show up on a given day. And, um, and, and this year of all years, you know, you don't always play teams at top strength. And so, um, you know, we could have an injury, we could have a COVID outbreak tomorrow and you see two or three losses and you're like, oh man, St. Lawrence isn't playing well. Well, you never know. Yeah. We might not have our top players at that time. And it's, um, you know, it, it's a chance we all take. And I got a feeling that some, some of the leagues and even some of our teams are the ones that just avoided extended injuries or illnesses. And that's true every year, but I think this year due to COVID, it's even more. Sure. Yeah, I misspoke. You, you obviously have Vassar coming up. Uh, with right. that Bard game, I was thinking February, you're done with them. But yes, you obviously have a big game with Vassar at home coming up. By the way, quick, before we let you go, how's the weather been up there in Canton, New York? You know, the fall was very mild, November and December. Um, we didn't get snow this year. Yeah. We only had a few snows, but it always melted um, until like two days before Christmas. And then um, the first couple of weeks of January were mild. But the last two weeks, it's been uh, a little bit more Arctic, yes. shall we say. <laughs> I just looked it up. It's a it's a balmy twenty two right now, which is about yeah what we've got. But I noticed a couple of the next few nights, negative thirteen is going to be your low. So uh, enjoy that, assist- sir. Yeah, my assistant coach is from Kentucky. Oh, and played at Transylvania. Yeah, and uh, yesterday, her and I were walking to lunch, and it was cold. It was like uh, <laughs> below zero, and she said, but there was no wind. The sun was out, and um, That's good. That's she good. said. Yeah, she said, you know, I'm getting used to this. It doesn't even feel cold right now. Okay. So, and, and that's how it is. Once you go through a few cold days, you adapt to it. And, that's true. Uh, and you get used to it. As one who's who's been to upstate, not as far that, and lived in Maine and Chicago, yeah, I agree with you. Once once you're used to it, it yeah. it's in your blood. Hey, Coach, really appreciate the time and, and the candor. Also appreciate uh, uh, you humoring us a little bit as well. We always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Well, just want to thank you and uh, uh, thank you for having me on and representing St. Lawrence. And I I, uh, I appreciate all the work that you do for D3 Hoops. Well, thanks, Coach. Appreciate that. Good luck the rest of the way. Uh, enjoy it in the mean, at least try and enjoy it. But good luck trying to race it off for the uh, conference championship. We'll look forward to touching base with you down the road. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks, Absolutely. Dave. Dan, Roy- Dan Royger joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Fun to chat with him. Uh, again, they are 15-1 and overall, 9-1 in conference play. Big games coming up. Vassar, uh, obviously, this weekend as well. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll head south. Messiah women's basketball coach Mike Miller joins us to talk about win number 700. You'll listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com after this. 
It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue to roll along on this midday version of Hoopsville. Reminder, we're going to be midday, really, for the next few weeks, uh, just due to circumstances. Uh, we will be, um, let's see, so this Thursday we'll be on, as we are, like last Monday, and this Thursday on at 1 o'clock. Next Monday we'll be on at 1 o'clock again. We're hoping a week from today is the marathon. I have some great guest ideas. Haven't quite sent those emails yet. We need to do that today. Uh, hopefully put the marathon together starting maybe around 12 or one o'clock and going for, you know, until eight or nine. That's kind of our, our gauge right now. Not a full 12 hour one. We're, we're, we used to be that crazy. We're not that crazy anymore. Um, and then the following Monday, the 7th of February, we're going to be back on the air at midday again due to, uh, uh schedule conflicts. And then the Thursday show, the 10th, that's going to be pre-recorded because I'm going to be traveling to Houston that weekend. And then I think we get back to it on Valentine's day. Our love to use to get back to the seven o'clock show. I think, maybe, we'll find out. Let's see if somebody calls us on the 7th. Uh, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us hoopsville at D3sports.com. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. Let's talk women's basketball continued. Uh, we'll sw slide down into the fifth region or region five or however you want to call it, the old mid-Atlantic. And if you're down there and you haven't been paying attention, well, you're usually paying attention to Messiah women's basketball. And if you're not, you should be. They're one of the most consistent teams in that region, if not the country. Of course, for Mike Miller, that means uh, the wins accumulate quickly. One of the first women's basketball games that did not involve Goucher College or the conference for me was at Messiah, and for good reason. He's now got 700 wins on his uh, totem pole, as it were. Not too shabby, to say the least. And joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned Mike Miller. Coach, thanks for the time. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Uh, one thing I didn't mention, you guys are a top 25 team. Ranked at 24 right now, 15-2 and two overall. You're 8-1 uh, and one 
in the Commonwealth side of the MAC conference. By all standards, having a pretty good season. We'll get to the to the details of that. We'll get to win number 700. But your reactions on the season so far? Oh, it's been um, it's been great, right? Living the dream and all those things. <laughs> um, no, it's been <laughs> excuse me. It's been a really good good season. Great year. Um, we don't always measure it by. I mean, yes, we've been consistently pretty good, but um, the, the women in the program, it's just it's an amazing group and. And uh, we're growing and learning together on and off the court. So it's a great year. So the wins are starting to take care of themselves that way. But um, we had a really tough uh, non-conference schedule in the, in the fall and overcame a bunch of adversity. And we're starting to get rolling now. Yeah, certainly the conference play is interesting um, and keeps you on your toes, to say the least. Slightly augmented conference. Is, is it hard to get used to the slight changes that have taken place? Um, honestly, not really, because that's the world we live in. So, you know, when these changes happen, you know, COVID's here and it's just, um, uh, it's one less, it's a, it's nice. It's one less bus trip to Lycoming, uh, up over the mountain. And we always said that in the middle of the week. So we do a, a, a van trip to York instead of a bus trip to Lycoming. So Which it's one's great. closer? <laughs> oh, York's only 30 minutes away. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought, yeah. but I... Yeah, I always yeah. forget, so I wanted to yeah, go for it. like two hours and always in the middle of the week. And yeah. No, I thought so. I just yeah. – my brain geography-wise there just kind of skipped the beat for a moment. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of curious. When you look at the landscape of the season and you're 15-2, and two, was that what you expected when you kind of plotted out the season, that you could get to this point and still be – in this shape, considering what you said about the non-conference play? Yeah, I mean, I was, I mean, you always want to win them all. And I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're like I said, we're pretty, we're pretty talented, but uh, there's no way we're going to navigate, you know, DeSales and Gettysburg and York and Albright Widener, DePaul, you know, um, so without taking a hit or two. So, um, so again, and you, and you can get better because nobody panics, you know, so you can get better that way too. So a lot of young kids got to play. Yeah, because um, of different situations, and they're getting better. You, your one loss early on, the third game of the season was against Gettysburg, sixty-five, fifty-five. Your second loss in conference play against York, which is new, um, yeah, sixty-one, fifty-five. Otherwise, you've been rolling. By the way, that fifteen yeah. and two mark, I think, includes the the Alvernia game. So, really, more like fourteen and two. The Alvernia game, more of a forfeit, right? <laughs> they keep having that. That's yeah, it is. It is fifteen and two. They keep having. Yeah, so it's 15-2 and, and then no Alvernia. I think they have it wrong somewhere, like in the standings. No, you're right. It is 15-2. Somehow our system is yeah. able to accommodate that. So that's awesome. So, yeah, it's 15-2. Yeah. and two. I was trying to yeah. Yeah. delineate with my – Yeah, I just I just noticed that the other day. So yeah, yeah, our system, I didn't know if we had finally gotten it to work that way. <laughs> it does work that way, so that's good to see. I'm obviously yeah. looking at ours versus yours, and I could obviously just go to yours. It wouldn't be yeah. that hard to do. Um, yeah. What's describe the makeup of this team? Because when I look through the roster, I see uh, three, four seniors or graduate students. I see a whole mess of juniors. Then I see a bunch of freshmen. So is this is this elder driven? Is this senior driven per, per se, or yeah. is there a lot of youth that's helping drive the boat? Yeah, I mean clearly uh, as far as uh, as far as steering, it's definitely you know. Uh, Leah, Leah Springer with her six years, yeah. uh, we're, we're kind of partnering here. Um, people don't know. I mean, she missed a year with an injury, uh, a complete year. So then the COVID gets her back. But uh, and then the senior class, um, you know, they're there. So 
so they're, they're the ones that are like truly staring, but driving is everybody. They, uh, it's our sophomore class has really keeps getting better and filled in. Um, and we, you know, we had some hits early, so they had to play a lot and cause they didn't play much as freshmen cause we were pretty upperclassmen late. And, and so they basically, this was all new to them. So they're starting to play, you know, like, like veterans now. And that's, what's, that's, what's really helping us, uh, be, be, be pretty good. So. Yeah. Obviously, it's hard to talk Messiah without talking Leah Springer. And as you pointed yeah. out, much much to the chagrin of everybody, back technically for his sixth season, uh, yeah. 18 and a half points a game, 11 plus rebounds a game, hands out the team high in assists. Um, I can't do the math that fast, but it's about, I want to say, three and a half a game. Um, also has a handful of blocks. She shoots 87% from the free throw line. She shoots 47% from the floor. The only thing she doesn't do tremendous is shoot from deep. Uh, she's nine right. of thirty-four from deep at twenty-six and a half percent. But listen, when you got everything else going so well, it works. What makes her so good, especially, let's be honest, as an older player? Yeah, I mean, she, I mean, she still has the want to, um, and like, so that means like she has a schedule where she's not, you know, always able to be with us. Uh, so if that's the case, she's in the gym, like doing workouts and doing things and and maintaining maintaining her skill. Like she's, she's an amazing person who's going to uh, run really hard through the finish line um, on and off the court. She's a great leader and mentor to the young players and like she's fully engaged. Um, so, I mean, what makes her great is um, she chooses to be engaged with everybody in the program and take time with them. So what, what takes her time away? Uh, she, uh, I mean, she's a graduate student, so she, she actually has those hours. Like she, she missed, uh, we did move practice. Like tonight she won't be at practice because, uh, she has to work till six o'clock, that kind of thing. Mm. So, you know, so it's all, you know, if things pop up, you know, um, so. You're saying there's something more, 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 uh, important for her than, uh, than basketball coach. This, this can't be a D3 thing. Well, I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's true. I think for her bosses, there's something more important. Fair, <laughs> fair, sir. Fair. Uh, no, no. No, because she loves being with her teammates. So, yeah. Well, what else about that team then? Because it's not just the Springer show. You've got Elena Eckley at 10 plus points a game. Adam uh, Morgan, sorry, Morgan Adams. I did it backwards. Uh, eight points a game. Megan Zimmerman, seven plus, almost eight. Amber High at seven points, six and a half for Reese Harden. Not really talking about rebounding, but everybody gets in on the rebounding game. Everybody's handing out assists. There's certainly a lot going on there. So, yeah, Leah gets the spotlight. But what's it about the rest of the team that, that complements so well? Yeah, I, yeah, I believe they, there's really a, a buy-in because e even with 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 Springer, uh, like we we want to pass the ball, we want to move the ball, and and we have players that if, if you over commit to Leah, that can make plays. Um, and I think there's just a desire when we're at our best is when the ball is not sticking at any point with any player. Uh, and that's one of the things Leah's really done better in the past year, year and a half, is like recognize real early. And just just skipping the ball on the double triple teams and and get, you know getting to those open people, so and I know we have those people with those numbers. Um, and what will happen is an individual will have 15 one night and five the next, or and then five again. That's how they're averaging seven. But there's somebody who tends to have a big game, or two people have a big game besides Leah, you know, because we just share the ball. So. And that's I mean that's a huge yeah. impact for a right. team that is. By the way, defensively only allowing 50 points a game while scoring nearly 66. So while the offense is great, we talked a lot about it. Really, this is clicking, not surprisingly for your team, through the defense. 
Oh, absolutely. And I even just last night we had a t- real Albright. It was a really great battle with Albright. Um, and they they played great defense too, but we ended up the first quarter up 12-6. You know, so instead of being 12-12 or 14 to 12, um, you know, at the end of the first quarter, we still had a lead on the road. Um, and you know, so again, that defensive piece and 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 part of that is the growth of the, a large part of that is the growth of the sophomores. Because when the season started, like they were still in essence freshmen, uh, and they keep improving. And now those defensive numbers, we keep tightening the grip pretty good. That we we have depth and can play people, and we aren't losing it on the defensive end. So there's no doubt that's kept us in some games. Yeah, so. shooting, uh, allowing 35 percent from the floor, 24 percent from deep, and teams are not taking advantage of the free throw line because they're shooting uh, less than 60 percent from there, yeah. out rebounding <laughs> opponents by yeah. Eight. Yeah, that yeah that them them missing foul shots is kind of odd. So it was odd for us last night. We went one for six in the first quarter. Wow! So that, I mean, for a team yeah, that, that shoots eighty percent, that's staggering. Yeah. So that would have been nice to have another three or four points. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, let's talk about the rest of the way. You got York on the yeah. road. You're gonna have to go down to Spartanland there. Uh, then you're home against Leb Val and Stevenson. Of course, Stevenson just knocked off. Uh, I just said it. And I forgot who. Uh, they, Mary Wash. Thank Mary you, Washington. Mary Washington. Yeah. Uh, in non-conference play, and then you got Alvernia, Hood, and Widener ahead. Uh, two of those three on the road, so you got a, an even keel here, three and three, home and away, yeah. in the final six. And when you look at the standings, uh, York's ahead of you by half a game. So obviously the York game coming up is huge, but they're all right. important. How do you position the team? What are you telling them as we as you gear up for the final six? Yeah, I mean they're looking forward. I, I, they're competitors, and they're looking forward to going down and playing York on on Saturday. Um, but it's true. I mean, all the cliches are true, but uh, um, this group, because we have those upperclassmen, those uh, three seniors and Leah, like they, they're the ones I actually was just in a broadcasting class and this came up, the question they came up. Um, I'm not saying a whole lot because they, the upperclassmen know what the wars are going to be like in league. You can start seeing all around. When you look at the scores, second time through the league, it's just if things get closer, the games get closer, there's upsets. Um, they, they, they're aware that every game, every game matters and everybody's, uh, everybody's going to be doing, um, you know, having a sense of urgency, you know, sure. at the end. So, and I don't know, like in the Mac, we're leaving, everybody gets in the playoffs. So maybe there won't be as much sense. I mean, everything's different. You just don't I was gonna know. say that's definitely different for the Mac where it used to be yeah. what top five, five. Yeah. No, I was trying to yeah. remember. Uh, yeah. Top five. Of course, the Commonwealth, again, changed. You have different members. You have York in there. So there's been some yeah. tweaks. Um, yeah. it, but the I mean, kids are great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got to backtrack. Your win against Hood was win number 700. Uh, we should point yeah. out you you beat uh, DeSales earlier in the season, and Fred Richter just picked up win number 600. So the two of you right. combined 1,300 yeah. wins. Um, but 700, I mean – we we know that you've been synonymous with winning, and we and we know Messiah has always done well. But what does seven hundred mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it, it's I don't really have a whole lot of like tangible thoughts. This has been the most reflective I've been on any of these type of situations. Um, yeah, I mean, and my wife just is just trying to train me just to say thank you. I used to just you know I I haven't gotten fired, so the numbers add up. So um, <laughs> keep your head low and. Um, but seriously, um, I think it's just, uh, all the text and emails and just communication from parents of alums, alums and things like that, just realizing 
that uh, our program, not me, but our program, Jody Noble has been 34 years of the 36. And, um, but our program has really affected uh, positively the lives of so many people, including the parents. Um, so that's just, it's just really good to know. It, it takes the pressure off winning when you know, you know, it's that 700 comes up and it's a reminder we're here for more than winning, you know? So. Yeah, no, fair. Certainly an interesting perspective. I, 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 I got to ask you a, a little bit about Yvonne Kaufman. Uh, speaking of winning, uh, Elizabethtown, she won eight conference championships. Uh, she won 689 games just yeah. in E-Town alone, which of course is well over a thousand. Well, talk about your relationship with, with Kaufman and, and how that, has impacted your, your career. Yeah. And yeah, that's great. And so, yeah. So, you know, Yanni and, and that E-Town, we were in the same league. So yep. when I started coaching, we were together. Um, so, you know, so I can tell you, I was 24, 25 years old and her and Mike Strong are in, in there. You know, they, they're up. I don't even know what well, they, by they the way, Mike Strong. Old. Right. <laughs> yeah, they just, those two just seemed old. I'd be at coaches meetings and like, like these two are sitting up front running the show and like, yeah. Um, and then to be like, get to the place where we're, we're peers in my eyes. She, I mean, she never treated me other than a peer, but in my eyes, I didn't, you know, just to see that evolution. Um, and I think like we beat them once the year they won a national championship, we beat them in the oh. regular seat. Um, and, but, and it just shouldn't have happened. Just one of those basketball games. Um, <laughs> but I think the other, uh, the other 22 times they beat us. So like, you that should was be at 699 then, before, after that hood game is what you're trying to say. Yeah. And then, then we, yeah. And then we uh, started to match him and then we started to overtake him. So, and she was through the whole process, she was Yanni, like from the beginning to when we were end up being a little bit above them, like she never changed or how she treated me, the program, the respect. So, I mean, she's a special lady for sure. So did, did yeah. you take pages out of her book or even Mike Strong's for that matter in, in the way you coached? Um. Not really, <laughs> but oh, uh, not not from Yanni, not in a bad way. I just said, I don't tend to do that too much. Sure. Uh, I remember sitting with Mike Strong at the convention with my wife one one year, and um, we were just talking, and he said, you know, Mike, because your teams are always skilled, and they care for each other, they love each other, but you know what? You guys just aren't tough enough to win a national, to, to win at the national level, um, like a physical toughness and mental toughness, and it's like, it's like, okay. And, you know, we, you know, we evolved, we got some players by chance. And so we've gotten, we've gotten more mentally and physically tough. Uh, and that's made a difference in the past 15 or 16 years. So that's certainly yeah. make a difference. Uh, there's a lot of teams I can think of that don't want to see you that mentally tough anymore. Uh, they yeah. would appreciate it if you would stop. Um, <laughs> obviously big schedule ahead. Uh, a lot yeah. of big games. Uh, York, obviously the big one coming up yeah. on Saturday. Uh, Lev Val Stevenson at home, as we mentioned, Alverney on the road, Hood at home. Widener on the road. Uh, coach, appreciate the time. Uh, well, great to chat with you all the time. Congratulations yeah. on 700. I know there's probably more ahead of you before you're ready to retire. Cause as you said, you're still young. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're not Yanni or Mike strong, um, but we appreciate it. As always, we give the coach the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, just thank you for, again, the work you do. I know you get that a lot, but it really, really is appreciated uh, to give this, this, this level of basketball, a really strong voice and a, and a high quality voice. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate it as well. I hope I can get to a game sometime soon and run into you. But if we don't, we will catch up soon enough, as it were. Enjoy the rest of the season, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Have a good day. Absolutely. He's Mike Miller from the 24th-ranked Messiah Falcons, who are, well, kind of a tie to top the Commonwealth Conference, as it were, and, of course, more than 700 wins.
We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk men's basketball. We'll head out to Wabash, talk about the Little Giants. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios and partners WBCA. Back with more after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Oh, sorry, we're back on the air. I, I lost track of our commercial break there. I was checking with our next guest and just looked up and went, oh, I'm back on air. That's how things were when you don't have Andy around. Uh, Andy won't be around, I don't think, until we get a uh, evening show. Though there, there might be a holiday coming up. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll get Andy on the show again soon enough. You got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Sports.com. And join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We have tried to stream to Facebook all show. And it ain't taken from us. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, we're on live at uh, YouTube as well, youtube.com slash hoopsville. So lots of ways to get a hold of us. Of course, we're on straight with Team One Sports app. And if you're listening to us on demand or you're listening to the podcast, thanks for that as well. All right, so talking men's basketball now. One of the teams we're probably not talking enough about or at all out of Region 7. They've gotten a little bit of attention in our top 25 double take. Uh, and maybe a team we should be considering nationwide is Wabash. The NCAC, oddly enough, feels like it's a little bit down, and I'm not trying to be negative, just doesn't feel like the normal NCAC. Well, Wabash, though, is taking advantage of that opportunity. They're 13-3 and overall. Two of those losses came in the opening three games of the season against Hanover and Marietta, and they played Marietta tough. Um, they're an 8-1 in conference play because their one loss is to break out Oberlin, who unfortunately had a tough loss last night. Um, by the way... They still got the rest of the conference to play, and it's a grind of a season. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, we join, we welcome in the head coach of Wabash, the Little Giants head coach, Kyle Brummett. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time, and, and congratulations on what is a tremendous season so far. Yeah, we are off to a great start. Um, I appreciate you having, having me on and uh, looking forward to we, – we've got a big week in front of us, so looking forward to, to – continuing to compete um as we have two games this week yeah two games this week and obviously more ahead we'll talk about that in a moment um a lot of it because of postponements we'll talk about that too but let's let's go back to november uh you started off with a win against center 74 70 then hanover tripped you up by two and marietta got you by eight tough start against some tough opponents center maybe not having as great a season as we're used to but hanover and marietta certainly are having dynamic seasons and then you beat Marietta, and of course Marietta game, I'm sorry, you beat Emory at Marietta, and of course the Emory and Marietta games were both at the um, Great Lakes Classic. So you rebound immediately from that Marietta loss and back-to-back -back losses to get a big win over Emory. 
just tell me about that roller coaster because it had to have been hard to get everybody kind of reset when you just took another tough loss to Marietta. Yeah, a lot of credit goes to our guys. Um, you know, roller coaster is a good way to put the last two years. Um, we have an older group, um, and we we put the schedule in mind uh, two years ago, maybe three years ago, uh, that that would have began with a, a game at center, and then uh, the Great Lakes Invitational would have been a year earlier um, because of of the the guys that we had growing in our program. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't necessarily play as well as we would have liked in those few early games, but we really found some things, uh, at least offensively in the second half of the Marietta game. Uh, you know, our, our guys were excited to be there. Um, you know, we knew, uh, you know, the, the implications that, uh, you know, our resume would have having played Marietta and then coming back and playing Emory. And, you know, they just were, uh, they were resilient. And, um, you know, we, we played really well. Um, you know, we had a, a larger lead in that Emory game and, uh, you know, we're able to kind of hold on in a high scoring game. But, um, you know, it, it just, uh, we opened our season with a scrimmage against Illinois Wesleyan. So, you know, like th those are the kinds of games that this group of guys needed to be in to continue to build the program in, in a way that is similar to what Worcester and Wittenberg have, have historically done in the North coast. Yeah, certainly you, the, you, you had in the scrimmage game against the Titans and you had a heck of an opening run. Uh, to the season. And so I guess coming out of that two and two essentially is great. Uh, and you springboarded it because you beat Ober uh, Denison out of that. You beat Rose Holman out of that. Oberman surprised you. And let's be honest, Oberlin's kind of been playing spoiler a little bit at five and 12. They're, they're not, uh, uh, they're deceiving five and 12 from what I'm reading into. Yeah. Uh, they had a 12 point lead against Worcester. I think last night. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Unfortunately, a tough loss to Worcester. Worcester closed that out on, in an un, unbelievable run, holding Overland scoreless for the last six and a half. Um, and then you got back on your winning ways. Ohio Wesleyan, Wittenberg, Mount Joseph, Anderson, and, and then Oberlin. You got you got back. Um, interesting enough, you played Oberlin twice in conference play before the new year, which is a rarity, I think, in any sport. Um, so you closed out that part of the year really strong. You, you guys kind of rebounded off of that a bit. Did you gain confidence as you were going along, or did you already have it? Um, I think our, our group was, is a pretty confident group. Um, you know, the, the issue that we probably uh, had early was we really had not bought into what we were going to or needed to become defensively. You know, like we knew we could score – uh, we scored, you know, fairly easily early against good competition. But if you look at that stretch since the first Oberlin game, we've dropped our points allowed by 10 points a game. And I think that's really what has uh, allowed us to, to kind of find a groove. Um, you know, sometimes older guys that, that have worked really hard, especially when you have a season like last year that, you know, there is no tournament. There is no real conference games in our, in our case. Um, you know, 
it took us a little while to figure out how hard it was actually going to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not, not real long. I mean, seven games, you know, we, we gave up 83 uh, points a game. And then in the last nine, we've given up 73. So I think that's, that's really where we've grown. Um, our, our leadership has been great. Uh, our confidence definitely is great. If there's anything, my staff and I, we have to, we have to get these guys to, to give everyone, uh, you know, the respect that they deserve because our guys are, they're hardworking and they've been around the block. They, they love to compete. Interestingly enough, you got a few things that are, that stand out. First off, you're averaging 88, 89 points a game. Scoring record for the, for the team is a little over 89 back to 1981. You, you weren't around. At least I don't believe you were with the program. I was, I was young, but I was around. Well, I mean, with I the program. Know. I don't think you were with the program. No, um, no. Of course, that program went on to win the Division Three national title that year. Um, it feels like little little signs like that. Uh, the fact that you're trying, you're on top of the NCAC. You haven't hosted a league uh, tournament since 2000. Little items like that make it feel like this is a team that's got something special brewing. And we'll talk about the individuals in a moment. Obviously, they're helping with that. But it feels like you guys have got something special. And thus, it seems a little surprising you're under the radar a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's why it's so great that you and others, you know, give the coverage uh, to our level that that you do. Um, I mean, there's there's so many good teams, good coaches, good players at our level. And – I mean, even even the student athletes, you know, they, they don't really know each other or each other's teams because we're so, uh, you know, geographic in our schedule. Uh, but it, this is a special group. I mean, we, we knew it was going to be, um, you know, the, and, and we can talk about the individuals, but it really uh, is the, the foundation that's been laid by our older guys as far as the work that they put in, um, you know, Wabash is a special place. It's a great school academically, our faculty, our staff, they, they're extremely supportive of athletics. Um, but the guys that come here are really hardworking, smart, driven guys. And, um, you know, my staff, my, my assistant who's been with me the eight years that I've been here and I, we, we've really reaped the benefit of the guys that are, you know, now in their fourth and fifth year with us. Um, one of those guys is named Jack Davidson. And if you don't know who Jack Davidson is, um, we need to talk. The man scoring 23 points a game, shooting uh, 53% from the floor, 46% from beyond the arc, 92% from the free throw line, hauling in six rebounds a game and second highest on the team in assists. He's 48 points away from the school record in scoring. He's over 2,000. He's got 20, 2018 uh, coming off of last night. You you could be understand, or you can understand someone's perspective that they look at your team and go, oh, it's just about the Jack Davidson show. Let me just point out, there's four guys in double figures besides Davidson, but he brings such a dynamic to your team in terms of scoring. He's deadly from the free throw line on top of that. Talk about how he's made the team better and how he's made individuals better and how they play off of him. Yeah. Well, you know, and it, I guess it makes sense, but he's also the hardest working basketball player that I've been around. Um, he, he loves, 
he loves to put the work in. So that that's really special. And, um, you know, like I said, you know, we, we when as coaches, when you put your uh, your blueprint together, you know, we anticipated, you know, Jack graduating a year ago. And, you know, then Kellen and, and Tyler's class would be seniors now. Um, you know, obviously everything uh, slides around when we're dealing with with what we've dealt with for the yeah. last two years. But, um, you know, the the way that he goes about his work has really uh, springboarded so many of the guys in our program. And it's attracted a lot of other guys, you know, in the in the basketball craze state of Indiana that that are hoopers, you know, that, that just love to be able to get in the gym. Um, you know, he, he's been our leading scorer all four years that he's played. He's also been our leading assist guy until this year. Mm. So, you know, I think that's uh, that's been an interesting dynamic to have two uh, guys that are playing to make the other guys better. Um, I think that's become a little contagious. If you, you know, if, if you broke our um, program down over the course of the last five or six years, I mean, our assist turnover is so much better right now than it was previously. And, you know, those two guys have a big part to play in it. But the other guys are also really bought into, hey, we're so good offensively, we can't not get a shot. And, uh, you know, like Jack's Jack's helped us uh, build that kind of of motor. Um, He's he's special. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I'm not sure that there's. Uh, I know there's a lot of really good players, um, but I would put him up there with anybody that that plays at our level. Yeah, he he, he certainly stands out. Um, the scoring is ridiculous. The free th- free throw shooting is ridiculous. By the way, the whole team is good at free throw shooting. You guys are second in the nation in free throw shooting behind DePaul. Uh, some other little stats, by the way. Top 15 in offense, top 15 in three-point percentage. I'm going to skip Tyler for a moment because Kellen Schreiber jumps out at me because he's fourth in the nation or top five in the nation uh, and leading the conference in shooting percentage. He's 73.3%. Of, he's hit 99 of 135 shots. And by the way, he's only shot one free three-pointer. He's 0 for, 0 for 1. That's an insane number. And when you've got Davidson on the outside making and dishing and, and, and shooting and whatever, and you've got him on the inside not missing essentially – that feels like a dangerous one-two punch. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, we, in the best way we could, we took advantage of last year. Uh, we played 12 games and, um, you know, Jack was not here. So, you know, Kellen and, and uh, Tyler um, obviously had the keys to the car. Um, you know, they grew as players, uh, both of them averaged right around 20 points a game in the 12 games that we played. And Kellen shot 70% from the field. And previously in his freshman and sophomore years, like so many good division three players that are in that six, five to six, six range, a lot of people had told him that he needed to be a perimeter player. And, you know, whether it's good coaching now or bad coaching, then he took 93s as a freshman and, uh, you know, he made some, you know, I mean, it, it was, it wasn't great. It was 30 some percent, but he made some, um, you know, a, a, a credit to him and, and his teammates, you know, last year 
we moved him around a little bit. He played the three and the four as a uh, freshman and sophomore. We moved him to the five last year, and it was a little bit of a uh, – well, he, he probably felt like it was an experiment. I mean, we were pretty – we pretty much felt like we knew what we were doing. And he <laughs> you know, again, shot 70%. And, uh, you know, like, he – it was actually 69 point some percent. Hmm. And he knows to the, to the percentage point, <clears throat> I think he took three threes last year. He was 0 for 3. So he would have been over 70% if he wouldn't have taken the threes and uh, he's bought into that. So um, he, he's really improved. He's really committed. Last night he was nine for 10. He also had 11 rebounds. We're really balanced on the glass. So, you know, he's not a, he's not a guy that's going to average a double double, but he definitely can go out and get you one. Um, You know, we, we, we have, we're reaping the benefits of having a number of all-conference players, all-conference type players. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and again, he jumps out at me, but he's not the only one because, again, I mentioned you guys have four guys in double figures. You also have Tyler Watson, who we mentioned. You talked about 16.5 points again. Paltry 47.5% from the floor. I mean, wait a minute. Oh, anybody would die for that percentage. Uh, 13.5 points from uh, Amani Jones. He leads the team in rebounding as well at six rebounds per game. And by the way, that top five, uh, top four we just mentioned, five, six rebounds each. So it's, it's distributed well. And it's still Jesse Hall and, and Idris Redman and others guys on this squad that are stepping up. So it's not just the Davidson show, but he puts on a show. It's not just the Schreiber can't stop him, but he can't be stopped. It's all these other guys too. How do you now at this point keep that momentum moving with this unit and not have it kind of flatten out. Does that make sense? Like not have February end up being just kind of, of too much. Yeah. Well, we, we've, uh, we use that Oberlin loss at home to really try to uh, recalibrate our, our daily work, you know, like our guys, uh, especially the, the four guys that get the most recognition, the four scorers, I mean, they are gym rats, you know, I mean, they are shooters. They, they, they're in their extra, um, you know, they're, they're what you want to coach uh, and they all are, but, but they've laid that foundation. You know, we, we came out of early December and, and really we had, we had, a uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, we had three games postponed uh, right between new year's and early January. We were actually, uh, you know, we were actually able to we, – we missed about six days together when we would have played a few games, but then we had just the way that the schedule worked out and rescheduling, we had about seven full days of practice before we had another game. And I think that served us well. Um, you know, a lot of times at, at that time of year, um, you know, you're banging against somebody else, but you're really not – uh, practicing in a way that you can fix some of your problems. A lot of your fixes come from watching the film and trying to get, you know, them mentally dialed in, but, but we got better physically in January and uh, you know, there's no guarantee. I mean, you know, we got Denison on Saturday and then we haven't played Worcester yet. So we still have two games against Worcester. Um, They're both going to be kind of back to back uh, weekends to squeeze them in. And, uh, you know, I, I really think 
focusing with this group on the defensive end has honed them in, you know, that they have something to, to focus on that really they as players, uh, they had not focused on uh, to the level that they are committed to it right now. Um, you know, somebody could trip us up. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we've got to stay the course. Each game is obviously the most important. I, I heard your previous guests say the cliches are true. Um, but, you know, these guys, they're, they are driven. I mean, they're committed. They, they know that um, they know who the other good teams are. Yeah. Um, and, and they want to, they want to be that, um, they know that, that people think our league is down a little bit. Um, you know, we know that good teams aren't going to make the NCAA tournament. So, um, you know, it's, it's a fun group to be around, but, but they're, I mean, they're, they're into, uh, trying to make this a, a special run. Dating back to last night's game against Wittenberg, you're playing nine games in 20, five days that's a game less than a game every three days or a game at less than every three days is what i'm trying to say um you'll go back to back this weekend with dennison and worcester at home you will go back to back the following weekend again at home against allegheny and hiram the advantage being you're at home um you won't go back to back the rest of the way but you're still jamming a lot of games in because you had worcester allegheny and hiram all delayed at the beginning of january we may go back to back again. We've still got one game to get back. So yeah, well, I was going to say, they're... I know not all of them's on there. So maybe yeah. there's another one. So add it in. So you're going to go nine, or you're going to go 10 and 25. So one every two and a half days or eight and or nine and 22 days uh, coming up still to play. That's a grind. How do you keep the guys fresh? How do you keep them from, from flaming out? How do you keep the focus on the bigger task and let them understand it's okay you know, to maybe take something off here and there just to survive. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's a, it's challenge. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, the bus ride to Wittenberg yesterday, uh, you know, three hours, three hours back. Um, and, and you know, it, it was, it was a really competitive game. I mean, you know, the score, uh, got away a little bit, but, um, you know, it was physical and some of our, some of those guys that are playing a lot of minutes, they're older guys. They got older bodies. So, you know, like there's uh, there's a method to the madness. You know, today we'll 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 love on the foam rollers. Um, we'll have a lot of ice. We'll watch some film. We'll try to get in the weight room a little bit. And you know, we won't do as much banging around as we prepare for Saturday and, and Sunday. And uh, you know, we we also have some some good young players. You know, so you know, you mentioned Idris Redmond. He's a sophomore. Jesse Hall. He's a freshman. You know, those guys, they need to keep getting better. We've got a few other guys that are kind of that ninth, 10th, 11th guy. They're good enough to play in the games, you know. So, I mean, my my guy, Jack Davidson, he doesn't love it. But, you know, we were able to sit him down a little bit more last night uh, than we normally would have. And, um, you know, that uh, – my assistant always reminds me it's a lot easier when you can score 85 Yeah, and uh, yeah. you know, we're, we've been really consistent offensively, you know? So, um, you know, being able to, to, you know, like last night, I mean, it was a close game at the half. We left a few points on the board. We were pretty confident coming out that we were going to have a, a 40 to 45 point half 
in the second half. And, you know, so we were focused on our defense and, and we came out hot. So we were able to, to kind of rest our two guards a little bit more in the second half than you normally would think you would when you go on the road to Wittenberg. Well, you've answered a lot. I appreciate that. Great, great perspective on your squad. I appreciate it as well. As a top 25 voter, I've had you guys just kind of sitting there. I'm like, what do I do with these guys? Like, I feel like they deserve to be in, but there's about 50 schools that deserve to be in too. So it's a tough one. So I appreciate the insight to give me a little bit of help. Uh, as always, well, you give the coach good. the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, we're good. You know, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, there are a lot of good teams and uh, you know, I know it's a tough job. We're, we're really excited about where we're at. Um, you know, it will be tough to play you know, nine or 10 in 20 some days, but uh, this group, they're up to the challenge and uh, we're going to continue to, to keep getting better. I, I really anticipate we're going to be better in February than we are right now. That's scary to think about. Coach, thanks for the time. Enjoy it out there in uh, Wabash land and uh, tell Brent Harris I said hi. Will do. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Kyle uh, Brummett joining us from Wabash. Again, team is off to a tremendous, not off to a tremendous start. We're well past off to a tremendous start at this point. We are at having a great season and worth watching as they hold the NCAC mantle at this point. When we come back, we'll jump out almost to the entire West Coast, almost to the line. We'll, We'll be on the eastern side of a western state. We'll talk Whitworth men's basketball with Coach Damian Jimblowski joining us on the show. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. Uh, more on that and Coach Jimblowski coming up. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, It's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, It's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome. Uh, Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. 
Coach uh, Jemblonski joining us ready here to join us on the show. Uh, I was about to type in a tweet and I started to write Northwest Conference and I almost tweeted to Sig Hansen on the Northwestern. I got to be careful with my tweets and everything. You gotta, you're listening to Hoops with everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us on this midday edition, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Join us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, lots of ways to get a hold of us. Hope you uh, are finding them easy enough. Can't seem to stream on Facebook today. Don't ask me why. Facebook's being a little bit of a pain in the butt. But we're on YouTube and, of course, on our Blue Frame Technology Team 1 Sports app as well. Um, heading all the way out to the West Coast, but not quite. We're on the eastern side of the West Coast, but something like that. We're with men's basketball is always in the national conversation, certainly always in the top 25. But I'll admit as a voter, I don't feel like I know the Bucks this year nearly as much as I've known them in the past. And I bided my time, but I finally said enough's enough. They just went through a gauntlet. They've got some big games coming up. The, the Northwest Conference race is a little bit different than we may expect. So let's talk to Whitworth. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is Coach Jemblowski joining us to talk about his bucks. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time. Three hours back. I know it's a little bit earlier in the day. All good. We don't have practice for a few hours, so I've there got go. time. Perfect. <laughs> hey, by the way, nice uh, skull and, and swords there. Well placed. Thank you. Well placed. Yeah, no. Appreciate it. <laughs> speaking, speaking of uh, deep sea, uh, uh, dangerous uh, crab fishing, we could talk about some other boats on that one with with similar markings. Um, listen, I, again, I said in the intro, I, I don't feel like I know your Bucks team this well this year. I don't feel like I understand how good you guys are. I, I look at it on paper, I see some games here and there. I'm like, yeah, good team, but I feel like the virus almost has disconnected me a little bit from the program. And with coaching changes, the Northwest Conference has changed a bit that I think it's hard to gauge as well. Tell me a little bit about your team. What What's making you guys sing this year? Sure. I, I think I can understand a little bit of, of people's um, not, not understanding us. Um, but really, if you dive into it, what makes us go and what makes this team special is just how balanced we are um, and how unselfish we are. So kind of unlike maybe some previous years where you've got a pretty obvious All-American candidate on the squad, our team is extremely balanced. Um, we're, we have, you know, five guys in double figures, another, guy, another couple of guys that are just outside of that. Um, as a team, we're second in the nation in field goal percentage. We're shooting 52% from the field. Uh, we average 18-plus assists a game. So really what you get is you get a team that um, – anyone could step up on a given night. And I think that's uh, what's made us pretty special. And also maybe, maybe confusing to some people outside who don't watch us every day. Uh, you know, the other day we had a game at Lewis and Clark and we had eight guys in double figures, which is just insane uh, to have eight guys in double figures. Um, but it, it, again, like I said, it's what makes us special. And um, I think our guys are super unselfish, pass the ball really well, cut really well. Um, and we've, as the season's gone on, proven to be a, a pretty formidable offense. Uh, as as programs are out there, you are a rarity in the sense that you have an all D3 schedule. Uh, you made sure to go out there and play D3s. You started off the season, though, with a questionable decision. Uh, if I do say so myself, we'll, we'll point to the, to the jersey over here. Greenville was your opponent. You got him at your place at least. But, man, when you're preparing for a season – and you're putting your systems in place in preseason. 
Why in the world would you put a system team as your first game where it blows up everything? You go 146, 110. It almost feels like, hey, everything we did in preseason, forget about it. Uh, honestly, there is some truth to that. But the reality is I'm a beggar, not a chooser on getting games. Okay? <laughs> so I'm, I'm extremely grateful for them coming out here. And it was the way I would sum that up is that was just an experience. That was an experience like no other. And I think it was great for our guys. Um, at the same time, there was some flip side to that. We had Greenville and we had uh, Redlands, which are both pretty much press up and down teams <laughs> in that weekend. And there's no doubt that um, while it did help us playing against the press, we were probably a little bit behind the eight ball or prepared with our half court offense when we went out to Wisconsin. So I know, you know, we've been, we, we had, you know, the Platteville game, which, um, you know, was not nearly the showing that we wish we could have, but I would say it was a good, it was great lesson for us. I mean, that's a, a veteran team, a really good team. And we just, we just weren't quite there offensively yet at that time. Um, if you look at the game, we shot 35% from the field, which is, not anywhere close to what we've obviously been capable of. So um, it was a good learning experience. You're right, though, you know, not not the ideal, um, I guess, progression of growth for a team. But it, it is what it is. We we, uh, you know, learn from every experience and get better as we move on. Yeah, you you you, you went down the road. I was going to I was going to lead us. Because the next game was Redlands. I don't know if you got this memo, but Eric Bridgeland left the conference. You don't have to keep playing his teams. Um, Beggar, not choose. I know. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. I do indeed. I do indeed. But there's other teams down there. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> they got to come to my place. Okay, fair. <laughs> fair. Uh, Beggar, yeah, not then chooser. You, then you head to Wisconsin. And yeah, you got thumped by Platteville, 90 to 69. But you got back the next night against Whitewater, 80, 80 to 79. Tight game, which is you, huge, which is huge, which is huge, say, tight game, but a big win because that had that had a that must have been a really good momentum swing for you guys. Because not only are you coming out of Wisconsin with one win, you're not going 0 2. Oh, no, it, it was huge for us. Those both those teams, that whole league is so physical and it's such a good league. Um, and our for our guys to respond on back to back nights, you know, from taking a pretty good thumping to then just gritting out a win against a very good team um you know those are the those are the lessons that you hope as a coach you know you, you have so honestly it was a great trip all in all and uh, I wouldn't change anything I wouldn't change how our season has gone in any way yes when you're a coach you start every season you know dreaming about an undefeated uh, uh, undefeated run and that you know that's that's rare and um probably not the best thing for most teams anyways um just because you have so many things that you have to learn, you have to, you have to get better at and um, facing adversity is what, what really helps you do that. Out of that, of course you did play the rest of the sky act in some ways, Claremont mud scripts from Mona Pitzer. Uh, you played conference games against Willamette with Whitman. You then played Colorado college and Shriner. You had a game scheduled against river falls that got called off, um, which meant you had a long break before your rivalry game against Whitman, and that's your second loss of the season. So you had a great non-conference, but you finish it on December 17th. You don't play a game over the Christmas holiday, and you get a break until the 8th against Whitman just due to the scheduling and COVID, all that fun stuff. How hard was it to then, and I, I mean this seriously, how hard was it to get up, essentially, for a game against Whitman when you haven't even gotten off the bench to some degree? 
you know, when I look back, it's hard to, I don't want to talk about things and make it sound like excuses because women played a very good game. Yeah. Um, and both, you know, us and, and coach Lamana, we, we decided to schedule that game together when the other two games we were both supposed to have got canceled or got postponed. So literally we decided to, to move that game ahead. Um, basically two weeks, um, maybe three days before we actually played it. Um, so yeah, there's some, there's some difficulties that both teams were, you know, had, hadn't played since those games against river falls were, well, I, well, I mean, before those games were canceled and, um, you know, uh, it, it, it's difficult. It's been part of the thing that we've had all had to deal with as coaches and COVID is the flexibility. And, and yes, there's no denying that, um, these student athletes have been through a lot and they're, their motivation or their ability to get up for one game or another has been, um, has been tough. And, you know, that game, we, we didn't play our best. We also, you know, we're coming off losing one of our best players, unfortunately for the season and in Jordan Lester, who had a season ending knee injury with less than a week before, and that played into it, but boy, have our guys responded. And like I said, I wouldn't change anything. We've had a great stretch uh, since then. And I think, that loss kind of poked the bear and helped us, uh, you know, reestablish our identity and our guys have really gotten up since then. Yeah. Since then you've gone on to win six straight Puget Sound, Pacific Lutheran, Linfield, Pacific Lewis and Clark, George Fox ahead of you though, is a beast of a schedule. Uh, you've got most of the conference still to play. You in fact have seven games to play uh, for the rest of the way. Uh, you've got a stretch there where you play four in the road, Linfield, Pacific, Pacific Lutheran and Puget Sound in the span of four straight that's coming off of what was already a bit of a beast here in the last few. Uh, since the 14th, you've played six games. So you're kind of grinding things out a little bit with some breaks here and there. How do you how do you keep everybody kind of fresh? Uh, I'll tell you what, like, so before the season, I would say these next couple of weeks on the on paper look like the toughest stretch. Two, two big road, you know, weekends in a row uh, against uh, – you know, what we thought would likely be the other two best teams. And they've kind of been like that. So, um, but then this last, this last stretch, six games in nine, nine days, like that just trumps it like no other. And it was, that was a grind and it's tough. And, um, you know, you got to do your best to prepare and keep the guys fresh with, um, with less live reps and more, you know, more ways of getting your body right and ready and, uh, recovering. So it's been tough as a, as a coach, but boy, I couldn't tell you, I am so proud of the way our guys responded after that Whitman loss. And, and over this really tough stretch, we had six games in nine days. We won by an average of 22 points. Um, we beat the next two best teams in our, in our league by 28 and 47, I believe. Um, it was an awesome, awesome run. And which is part of the reason I'll be honest, I was a little bit shocked. We ended up on your dubious conversation the other day. I came off, I came off of this uh, 10-day stretch feeling really great and proud of my team. And uh, it was kind of like uh, a kid getting a new birthday outfit, walking into high school feeling pretty confident. And then all of a sudden, the popular girls are talking about my acne. I just, I was, I was like, I was blown away. I was blown away. So. It is what it is. That's your job. But boy, was I surprised to be in that discussion. I think in hindsight, I think a better spot for you guys would have been debatable. 
but I understood the point of the dubious. I love the, the analogy. I, the way I thought you were headed there was you got a great birthday suit only to find out you, you're, you weren't wearing anything. Um, that's where I thought you were headed, but I like the acne reference. No, I, I but it's also why I, I have you on because I kind of want to understand better who you guys are as a team and what we don't understand. Listen, I see a 97-69 win over P Pacific Lutheran, and I think high of Pac Lou from what I saw at the Vegas event, and they weren't even at 100% out there. They were missing their top two guys, and I thought highly of them. And you spanked them. I'm like, okay, that's interesting, but they lost a whip by two. So I'm trying to figure this all out and gauge it. What do I make of the Platteville game? What do I make of other things? And it's hard sometimes, and that's why I felt like I didn't know you guys that well this year. Um, what, what, one thing I will say, Dave, and I think sometimes, you know, it's tough. You're, you guys are trying to gauge, you know, sort out teams that have one to three losses that separate them. You know, I mean, it's, it's really tough to do the job you're doing, but, um, one thing I think that gets lost sometimes just about college basketball is it's really hard to win conference games on the road. Oh, sure. It is really hard. I, I mean, it can be hard to do it at home. It can be hard to do it at home, um, but on the road, it, it, it's like a different level. And um, so, uh, like I, I alluded to before, perfection is very rarely uh, achieved in college basketball, especially through a conference season. Especially so, on the men's side, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's great teams out there that are ready to compete, that know you very well, um, that have great crowds that are going to get on you and change the environment, you know, it's – it's that's what makes college basketball so fun. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I understand to us to a certain degree, um, I guess maybe some of the, some of the questions, but yeah, if I were to just put it out there, I mean, this is, I've been here, this is year 11 for me and we've had some really great teams and I, I can't, you know, it wouldn't be fair to try and measure, but I will say this is one of the most unselfish basketball teams that's, we've ever had. I mean, listen, we, you and I've talked a lot off air too. I mean, I've known this Whitworth, Whitworth team for, fairly well over the years for you to say that is jumps out at me and that's significant to me to hear those kinds of words uh quickly just to mention jt mcdermott leading the way 13 and a half points a game three and a half rebounds he's one of your uh i think he's number two on assists shoots 63 percent from the floor um miguel lopez uh by the way mcdermott also dangerous from outside the arc 48 percent uh lopez 11 points a game seven rebounds a game uh paxton 11 points a game uh, doesn't have a lot of rebounds, but he contributes another way. Shoots 49% as well. Shoots 39% from outside. Doesn't get to the free throw line often, but he barely misses. Liam Fitzgerald also in double figures at 10.9. You mentioned Jordan Lester out now, but he had 10 points a game as well. And I really should say McDermott actually is number one in assists because the number one guy on the st stat sheet is Lester. Um, so we got a sense of who you guys are. If you don't mind, I want to go back a little bit. I want to go back to almost two years ago. You guys were probably one of the rare teams that really understood what was going on with the possibility of playing because the NCAA was telling you, don't get on the plane just yet. You guys were flying to the East Coast for a Friday game? No, Saturday game, right? Because we were splitting up the Sweet 16. So I think you had a Saturday game. It was a Saturday game, game, but it was a Thursday morning. It was Thursday morning. So you were going to get on the plane to get out there Thursday night so you could practice Friday for a Saturday. That's right, because we had some games on Friday, some games on Saturday scheduled. How surreal was the experience of literally living the decision by D3, NCA, whatever, as you guys were going along? Because to some extent, you have to go. 
because you can't keep delaying this trip. But on the other end, why go if we're not playing? I mean, that had to have been surreal. It was, as you know, it was traumatic to a certain extent. And sure. we're not the only ones who experienced it, but it really was. And, you know, looking back on it, it seems like a decade ago, not just even two years ago. Um, and I think back of just how much I didn't really understand what we were about to be getting into. Yeah, I don't think uh, any of us did. I, I was I remember my initial reaction was more like upset that they were canceling it versus postponing it because I didn't understand that it wouldn't just be a few weeks or a month kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's all part of the story. I just hope we get out of it sooner than later because it has been Groundhog's Day and it's been real. It's been really tiring as a coach. I know I, I think I speak for a lot of coaches out there that like our job has been to encourage our student athletes about resilience and having gratitude. And um, those are those are really important messages like in any given year. But it's been the consistent message that we've had to deliver for two years now. Uh, and so it's been it's been, I think, tiring for a lot of us, um, even if it's necessary. To give a comparison, it may not be fair, but I'm putting you on the spot. Is this team better than that team was? It's interesting. They're very, uh, they're better at certain things for sure. Um, we're different. We obviously had Ben College, who was an All-American type player. Ironically, we started our both that season and this season with Jordan Lester in the rotation, and he kind of served as a pace setter uh, for our team. He's a phenomenal person, phenomenal player, and but early in the season, he really served as a pace setter and gave us a lot of confidence and helped us, um, you know, gain our momentum. And then we had to go through the struggle of losing him and how do we redefine um, ourselves. And we had, we had players step up we, uh, just similar to this year. Uh, you know, you, you exit one great player and it provides an opportunity for some other guys to really, um, you know, play a greater role. And we're going through the same thing. So again, uh, it's it never feels fair as a coach to compare like that, but there's a lot of similarities. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that we do. We do better um, than that team. Maybe some things we're not, we don't, you know, come up to par with, but I'm very excited about where we're at right now. Well, I appreciate the time. I uh, appreciate the insight. Uh, appreciate the humor as well. Uh, as <laughs> always, I enjoy chatting with you and I'm glad to get a little bit of, a, of the intake on what Whitworth is and could be and all that. We wish you luck the rest of the way. Look forward to touching base with you down the road as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, you know, I, I really want to thank, um, I know our our athletic director, our administration, and all those athletic directors out there that are fighting for our student-athletes' experience. I mean, this has been a, a difficult battle of policy amongst institutions, amongst schools, conferences. So um, all of those administrators who are out there fighting for our student athletes experience and um, and helping them get out on the court and have fans like I just I really appreciate them. Um, and so they, they deserve some shout out. Well said. Uh, that's a good point. We haven't talked a lot about their efforts at all. Hey, thanks for the time. Uh, enjoy your life out there. I know you do. Big game with the Willamette coming up, and we'll look forward to touching base with you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. He is.
Call me Coach Jay from here on out. Uh, there we go. Uh, a little audio glitch there. He was saying behind the scenes, I brought him back in. You said Coach Jay's good, so we, we might just change it to Coach Jay from now on. I, I'm good with that. That's my Twitter handle. That's what my players all call me, so it's fine and with the me. The funny thing is I usually have Jim Blonsky just nailed, and now I can't. Oh, I go. like there's it. My, there's like my it. coffee mug. I love it. All right, Coach <laughs> Jay from now on. All right, we have Coach K right. on the East Coast. We have Coach Jay on the West Coast. All right, it works for there me. You go. Hey, you take care of yourself. Talk to you soon. You too. Take care. Coach Jay joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline. We're cheating from now on. Big game against Willamette coming up this weekend. We'll take another break. When we come back, we talk women's top 25. Uh, Riley and Steve join us. You're listening to Hoopsaw presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with plenty more after this. NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue to roll along on this Thursday show, a quick reminder, again, we will be um, on the air next, I'm trying to remember this, next few day, next few shows in the afternoons. So next Monday at, at 1 o'clock Eastern, next Thursday, knock on wood is our Hoopsville marathon plan, starting about 12 or 1 and going into the evening. Then the 7th, we will certainly be on at 1 o'clock. The 10th will be a pre-recorded show. 14th, as of now, scheduled for a uh, an evening show. But who knows? We'll see when we get there. Got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we tried to live stream the show. It doesn't like us. We are live streaming on uh, YouTube um, at YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. But if you're on via the Team One Sports app or Blue Frame Technology, don't leave. That's where we want you. Um, 
let's see. Uh, quick note, women's top 25. Obviously, the next one coming out will be on the... Um, uh, be on Monday. Hope the overwhelming number one at 25 first place votes, but obviously lost last night. Christopher Newport and Transylvania were two and three as undefeated teams. NYU undefeated. If they get through the weekend, they would move up from seven, I'm sure. Springfield, the other undefeated in the top 25, lost. And there are two other undefeateds, one not even receiving votes in Webster. And uh, I thought Scott Peterson had a good take uh, breakdown of why not in uh, the uh, D3 boards. It's a shameless plug of the D3 boards um, in the top 25 conversation on the women's side. The other undefeated is Roger Williams. They are getting first place vote. Or, uh, they are getting um, top 25 attention. So we'll see how it all breaks down. But how about the rest of the top 25? Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's our top 25 double take team for today. In the uh, If you're watching on the screen, on your upper left corner, it is Scott Peterson. And in the upper right, it is Riley. It's Zayas, right? Correct. Yeah, okay. I've been saying names wrong all show, so I figured I'd make sure. Uh, who's, uh, You know what? There's one thing Scott needs to do. We need to get him get some Hope gear behind him to represent the colors right. Though Hope took the loss, so we're going to start off the gate with a tough one. I know I, I know you're a little disconnected, but at the same time, a little proudful as well. Hope loses its 61-game uh, winning streak in women's basketball, Scott. Stings a little, but, I mean, they're still good. Yeah, they're still good. I don't, I don't think that a team that um, wins a big game should necessarily move up automatically. And conversely, a team that loses a big game shouldn't necessarily move down either. You and I um, think the same way. I think if we're judging by the eye test and who do we think is the best team going forward, I still think it's hope number one. I think if you're looking more at resumes and what they've done this year, I think Trine has a very, very strong case. The strength of schedule is very strong. Hopes is mediocre at best. Um, similar to Christopher Newport. Um, so I think if you're looking at that perspective, um, maybe not hope, but you can kind of pick and choose what's most important to you, right? Yeah, so we're jumping into debatable here because I think it, it makes sense to make hope the debatable in a weird way. Should they stay number one? I've said this on the men's side, and I've done it on the men's side. When I've had a men's team who's in number one undefeated, even with one loss, and they lose, I haven't necessarily moved them out of first place because here's the thing. At least on the men's side, I expect teams to lose. I am not expecting perfect seasons. Maybe that's a little different on the women's side because we do – it's been a while since we have a women's team win a national title that didn't go undefeated. But in this case – do you keep hope number one? Is there an argument to do that ahead of an undefeated Christopher Newport, assuming all things are even, uh, undefeated Transylvania, a trying team that is now split with them, and some other good teams? Riley, let me turn it to you. Would you consider – I assume you're considering it. Is it plausible to keep hope number one, or do you think it's more plausible to put someone else there? Uh, absolutely. I, I think it's it's very – uh, you have a very strong case to keep hope at number one. And for the simple reason of you compare them with Christopher Newport and who's number two right now, I, th I like hope strength of schedule a little bit better than I do Christopher Newport's and, and neither has a great strength of schedule. Uh, but you look at some of the wins that hope has, I mean, you got the Baldwin Wallace win. They looked really, really good in that game. And also they did lose to Trine last night by eight uh, in a game that Trine pretty much controlled for most of it, but they also beat Trine. Uh, already once this season. So you, you have that in their favor. For for Christopher Newport, I mean, you go down their schedule, there's a couple of wins that, that I like there. Uh, the Mary Washington win might be their best win to date, but the problem is Mary Washington is unranked right now. So 
when, when you compare those two, I, I really think I, I would take a one-loss Hope team over an undefeated Crystal Newport team at this point in time. It, Hope has just seemed to play to their standards for most of this season. And, you know, they had off night last night, but I don't think that's any reason to take them so far out of that number one spot. Should also point out Mary Washington took a loss to Stevenson, which hurts the resume just a little bit now with four losses. Um, I, listen, I know you're a Hope alum, but you are a straight shooter, Scott, and, and you certainly look things that have much more analytical perspective, um, which I, I certainly appreciate. W- would you keep Hope number one, or, or are you looking elsewhere, do you think, in your top 25? I would keep them number one. Um, the only team that I would consider would be trying. <clears throat> Interesting. You wouldn't even consider uh, any of the other undefeateds. And I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I'm, I'm just clarifying. No, I think it I think it can be easy to get really tied up in wins, losses, and undefeated. And I think strength of schedule plays a massive thing. Like uh, among all the teams that we talk about in the top 25, 70% of their wins or some large percentage are like wins that all of them would have won. And so to me, it's not a differenti- differentiating factor between them. Uh, I said this at the start of the show, Albion, who's getting top 25 um, attention from some voters, is next up for Hope. I feel bad for Albion. I have a gut feeling that Hope's going to come out like a buzzsaw. Uh, and interestingly, Trine's got Olivet ahead of him, who's no slouch. Could try and have a letdown after a big win. I, I, we'll see. You know, the proverbial trap game. As it were. Of course, now that I've mentioned it, it's probably out of the door. So, yeah, I think it would be interesting to see if Hope stays number one. I, I think it's plausible they could. Obviously, we have to see how the rest of the games play out. We're, we're assuming this midway through the through the schedule. We don't know how the rest of the weekend will play out. Um, let's switch to uh, dubious or deep dive. Riley, you had last week off, so we'll let you start. You get to pick dubious or deep dive, and then let us know what your pick is. Yeah, I think I'm going to start with dubious. Can I get the bad news out of the way first? This um, is a good one. It, yeah, dubious is, is a hard one, right? Because there's a lot of teams, especially on the women's side, that are really good, have good resumes. Uh, but but the one team that I've watched for the last couple of weeks has been Amherst. And I know that Amherst is one of those teams watching them on, you know, on a couple of their games playing toughs for one. They looked good. Their defense looked good. But I just haven't seen the kind of Amherst team we typically expect. And the Hamilton loss at home to a Hamilton team that I believe was 0-3 in this guy play entering that game, it doesn't look good for Amherst's resume. And I think I wouldn't drop Amherst all the way back to 15 or 20, but maybe somewhere in that 13 to 15, 16 range might be more where Amherst kind of is at right now. Now, that's only from what I've seen. and It's not – based on the talent on the floor, because Amherst always has a good team. But you just haven't seen enough from them to this point to keep them at 11. Yeah, quickly, this is certainly a topic on the uh, D3 boards as well, um, because they only moved down to 10th. And we could debate that left, and left right, and center. Scott, curious your take, because you had some interesting thoughts on them as well, because – Sometimes it's hard to ignore a team that has a proven track record, even if the history isn't what we're supposed to be paying attention to. Right. And I kind of, I like what Ryan Scott was saying that if we're just looking at um, resumes this year, what they've done on the court and ignoring like history, the coach, things like that, there are computers that can do it better than human voters. And I agree with that. So it makes sense to me to like 
let's be predictive. Who do I think would win head to head and who's going to be strong going forward? And of course you have to take into account history and coaching, right? Um, Amherst 11 right now, I would put them at 16, but if you look at the four teams that I would put right above them, you could make very compelling cases for Amherst being above any of them, right? Marietta, Eau Claire, Springfield, and Baldwin Wallace. And so like whether Amherst is really 11 or 16 or 14, I think the gaps are really small. And so I think it's, it's hard to call them significantly overrated at 11, um, even if I might drop them a little bit. Well, granted, we don't, we aren't used to a GP Gromacki team also. That is, that is, I'm going to use the term a little loosely here, struggling like they are. It's all relative, but on the flip side, you also know it's going to be a well-coached team. And sometimes how many times have we, we watched a team out, uh, an Amherst team in the middle of a season gone, geez, are they really all that great? Like they're all defensive base, their offense isn't really clicking. And then we get to March and they're just destroying teams, not offensively, but they're just stifling some really good offenses. And you realize what you were watching the whole time was a damn good team. It's hard to overlook that little thought in your head, knowing that this team is not a slouch when it comes to coaching. Right. And I think teams like Hope and Christopher Newport with just massive um, turnover and point differentials just thrive against overmatched teams, um, turnovers in the fast break. And so that's why they can look a lot more pedestrian when you have a solid defensive team like Trine or like Amherst, who doesn't commit all those turnovers and allow all those fast break points. And I think that's why you can see that in March. Uh, By the way, I make one request to anybody who's in the D3 boards. Spaces are great, especially after periods. Uh, I was having trouble reading one particular poster uh, because of that. I'm being a little sarcastic. Uh, Riley, any final thoughts on your dubious pick? Yeah, I mean, I kind of have to agree with what Scott said, too. I mean, you look at the way Amherst has played, and you make a great point, too. I mean, where where a team is in January is not probably where a team is going to be in March, especially a team that has that proven track record. Um, I think once we see Amherst play a little bit more Nesca play, start to find some more rhythm, I think we're going to see a, see a different team. I, I think right now the Bates loss, the Hamilton loss are just, you know, off nights and, and having trouble shooting from three. But I think once they can start to play with a similar style on, on offense that like we've seen in the past, I have no doubt Amherst will be a top 10 team come March. A couple other factors you just kind of point out. Amherst has also had a bit of a break they weren't expecting. They had played 12 games at one point and were sitting there for a long time. And second, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Bates turning out to be a bit of a, a big team this year. Uh, they've gotten wins now over Amherst and Bowden and playing well, so that might look better in the long run. A dubious pick, Scott. Um, I picked this before I knew that Riley was going to be on and you can bring a lot of American Southwest knowledge that I do not have. My dubious is Harden Simmons. Um, so they are 22nd in the poll, um, 12 and three, which winning percentage wise puts them in the bottom quartile. If we're looking at the top kind of 50 ish teams in division three, again, I've kind of put together a list of my top 50, but, um, they do not have a strong strength of schedule. Um, their average point differential, turnover differential, and they have a really poor rebounding differential, just about the worst among that top 50 teams. Um, They had a narrow loss to East Texas Baptist at home in their last game. I don't think East Texas Baptist is as strong as others. So I'm just like, to me, that's a little bigger of a loss than maybe what the average consensus is. Um, Their best win is at home versus admittedly a very good Trinity Texas team, but they only won by two and that's in early November. And the best win since is at Sol Ross, and I'm not sure how good Sol Ross is. And I would not put Harden Simmons in my top 35, less my top 25. 
I, I like I like the pick. I think it's a good good question. Uh, can you give us any insight there, Riley? Yeah, uh, he brings up a lot of good things. And and you know when I'll, I'll say for Sol Ross, Sol Ross, from what I was watching them play, they're not going to be the top of the ASC. Um, so so that definitely is not going to be probably Harden Simmons, you know, win that's going to their tournament resume. Uh, so I definitely would, would agree the rebounding can partially be attributed to Caitlin Ellis, who was a phenomenal player for them, uh, graduate after last season. So, so we've seen a little bit of a dip. They've gone to more guard play. They shoot a lot of threes. And that's one of those things. When you shoot so many threes, it can be, you know, you can look really good one night and not look as good the next when you don't necessarily have the ability to rebound well and get it to the post if need be. So, I mean, you look at the game they played against East Texas Baptist at home last week. They they shot a lot of threes. I think 11 of their th first 13 attempts were from three-point range. They were making some early on, but East Texas Baptist slowly warmed down with the way ETBU plays in the post. So, Harden Simmons, to me, is, is a team that I would agree. I, I think they, they may be – Depending on what happens tonight at Mary Harden Baylor, uh, they could be on the outside top looking in come next week just because they, they haven't beaten the best in the ASC, which at this point would be East Texas Baptist and, and Mary Harden Baylor. Interesting take. I uh, don't know if it changes anything necessarily, but I like it. Um, deep dive time. Scott, what's your deep dive? My deep, my deep dive is Puget Sound. Um, so they've got solid record. I think it's 11 and 2. Good strength of schedule. I really like their win against Pacific. Pacific has looked stronger as the season has gone on. Um, first game of the season for Puget Sound was a loss to Santa Cruz by seven points. I think Santa Cruz is better than a lot of people think. We'll see. Um, they play so many NAIA games. It can be a little bit harder to get a read on Santa Cruz. Um, Puget Sound has lost at Whitman, who is ranked higher and should be. So, like, I don't think that's a very bad loss at all. Um, and if you just look down... Puget Sound's win column. There's very few what I would call gimmies. Um, I think Linfield and at Caltech um, might be called gimmies, but everyone else is in the top 150. Sure. Um, if you look at Massey rankings for a rough, um, and I think that that matters a lot. Um, their underlying stats look pretty good, and I would push them all up. I would push them up to around 20. So maybe going dubious on Harden Simmons at 22 and deep dive on Puget Sound saying that they should be 20 is not these giant world changing views, but I think that that's a bigger change than a lot of the voters are putting them at right now. I think it's a fair point. Uh, Santa Cruz with barely any votes being in 20 is, is by all voters would be a big difference. Um, and listen, no, that no, win I, over Whitman. I think Puget, I think Puget sound should be 20. I'm sorry. Santa Cruz Puget sound, right? No, I yeah, misspoke. I'm not sure. I was thinking about uh, Puget sounds right next to Santa Cruz. Both have four points. That's why I jumped over at Puget. But Puget has those chances with Whitman, which I think will stand out maybe a little bit as well. Riley, uh, who's your deep? Yeah, so I'm, I'm staying out west. Uh, same as Scott, Santa Cruz is going to be my deep dive. I, I, I Similar what he said, he brought up a lot of good points about Puget Sound. Similar things could be said for, for Santa Cruz, 9-2 overall, obviously playing that coast-to-coast -coast conference. Uh, the Puget Sound win on November 5th to me still sticks out. I mean, it was, it was a – Seven-point win early in the season. Similar to the way a team plays early in the year is a good testament to where they're at kind of at that point. But now as we get into January, you all start seeing some improvement. They beat Whitman at home. And and to me, I mean, that's a very, very impressive win. Uh, definitely going to help them when it comes to if they continue to play the way they are and 
contend for a Pool C bid uh, come March. The loss to Tufts is a hard one for me, and that's partially why I don't think they're ranked. I mean, they Tufts beat them pretty bad at home on December 29th, and uh, but my deep dive being Santa Cruz is is just due to the fact of the way they're playing offensively, the way they play defense. They hold opponents to about 57 points a game. They're a team that can can cause some damage, especially against a team like Mary Washington or even Christopher Newport when they play them up in February. Any thoughts on either of your guys' picks? Uh, Scott, your thought on, on the banana slugs? Um, for simplicity, I kind of just ignore any non-D3 games when evaluating teams. Sure. Because um, it's just hard to – I don't want to dig into NAIA and – NCAA division two to really know, is this good or is this bad? What happened? Um, and so they're five and two, it's just not a whole lot of information. I think neutral court Christopher Newport in February is absolutely an interesting game because if Santa Cruz is better than we think that could end up being Christopher Newport's toughest regular season test. Fair point. Uh, Riley, any thoughts on, on his deep dive of Puget? Yeah, uh, uh, Puget Sound to me is a team that I like. I like the resume they put together. I think they right now. I don't. I haven't seen enough from them to say yeah they're a top twenty-five team or you know maybe they should be be up there in, in the votes. But I definitely think they need a deserve. They deserve some more attention. Uh, they played a solid schedule in terms of you look at the the wins they've had. They they played very very well on both ends of the floor and and you have a team like Puget Sound that when you get to those West Coast teams, they're kind of all islands. So it's harder to evaluate them as you would say an East Coast team that can play more D3s. Uh, but Puget Sound's a team to me that we could see contending come March. Interesting take. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll let you guys go. We'll give you final thoughts. Any Riley, we'll start with you. Any thoughts uh, with as we're midway through again the, the week here ahead of the weekend? Yeah, I mean, just going back to what we talked about starting off uh, the segment with Hope and, and Christopher Newport and Trine, I I would I want to add that Scott's take on Trine is, is a very legitimate take. I think we could see Trine move up to as, as, as high as two, uh, depending on what the what the voters do and how they evaluate. Trine's strength of schedule, as he mentioned, really, really sticks out to me. I think Trine's a very, very good team that – I could see going deep in the tournament, um, depending on how things play out. And it would be interesting to see how the voters are going to evaluate the try and win last night. Because one thing that, that kind of has continued to come to my mind, try and didn't edge that win out. Try and led for the majority of the game. They looked very, very good for the second and third quarters. Uh, we, yeah. we could see Trine moving up pretty high. Oh, they were playing really well for most of that game. Uh, Scott, any of your final thought? I think Trine led wire to wire. I don't think Hope is ever level or ahead. Because I think Trine's You're right. They first. may. I Trine might have gotten out the door first and did lead yeah. wire to wire. I think what the closest it got was two or four points with about a minute left. They, yeah, Just, I think two. Yeah, two. I mean you're two. right. I think it was wire to wire. I mean they they played really well until Hope turned up the wick late. The Trine just didn't play well late. Um, and I'm not trying to knock on him. Hope kind of forced a lot of that. I don't, it's more a testament to Mm -hmm. hope. Exactly. Right. Like the rebounding edge was even in the first half, which never happens in a hope game and hope kind of blew them away on the boards in the second half. And I think that that led to a lot of the surge back, but like going on the road, DeVos was packed and it was pretty loud. 
I don't know if there's a more impressive win in D3 this year. Um, I'm just continued to be fascinated by what goes on in Wisconsin, right? Like every night there's a like quote unquote surprising result. And you're like, is, you know, is Oshkosh better than Eau Claire, you know, Whitewater loses, but I mean, I think they're, I think they're better than Newport so far. So it's like, it's just hard to know the teams are put up results. You don't expect very often. So no, that's a great point. Uh, maybe they're no longer surprises. They're just another night in the WIAC. <laughs> I'll parody in the WIAC. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Men and women. Hey, guys, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, as always. Uh, enjoy the rest of your days, and we'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. See you later. Scott Bye. Peterson and Riley Zayas. Uh, Zayas. I'm just making up last names at this point. Uh, join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate them taking their time, especially in the middle of the afternoon. Got a question on the um, – on the uh, YouTube side of things, uh, I do want to call it back up. I want to thank Eric for the for the question. He asked about Eau Claire. Said, uh, well, I skipped off of it. Says, uh, do you think Eau Claire women will get in if they don't win the WIAC? I, I think it's going to be interesting. They've got five losses so far. Let's just argue a, a sixth loss somewhere in the month of February in conference play. they got five more games. Let's just argue for argument's sake. They take another loss. And then just for argument's sake, you're saying don't win the WIAC, so they take another loss in conference play or conference tournament. So that's seven losses. Um, 13, 7, 4. So that would be 17 and 7, maybe 18 and 7, maybe 19 and 7 uh, going into the conference, into the at-large selections. I think we'll get our first idea come February uh, 8th when the regional rankings first come out on where Eau Claire sits, it's going to come down probably to strength the schedule. The loss to Trine will look good, in fact. The loss to Calvin will look iffy. Uh, the conference losses will hurt. It'll depend on who they get behind in the uh, at-large selections and who they're de- behind in Region 9. Um, if they go the rest of the way and then lose in conference play, they're in certainly better shape. Um, I think 20-6 and six is going to be better than 18-7. and seven. Uh, or you might even be 21 and six. I, I can't remember. Um, and I think they're in good shape. But I think if they if they lose a couple more, they're in trouble. But again, I got to see strength of schedule numbers, and I don't have those yet. Um, the Bethany Lutheran loss is not really helping them, to be honest with you. Um, I'm trying to see if I can call up the women's. I don't think I can yet. I don't think I have the women's. Uh, numbers yet so i can't really tell you what they are i I would say this you're losing two more games then i think you're in trouble um we'll see i I don't know i i I, we've seen teams from wisconsin with 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 not great win loss percentages make the tournaments because they have really good parts of their resume so it's a tough question to ask right now we need more data and i know everybody's diving into data this time of year diving into sos numbers and stuff the problem is an SOS number between now and next week can change dramatically because the data is still – it's we're technically, for most teams, just over halfway through. Um, so a lot of the data is going to pour in in the next couple of weeks and stabilize, and that's when SOS numbers become a little bit easier to understand. Obviously, results versus regionally ranked opponents becomes a factor come February uh, – what, February 15th uh, – regional rankings, and those will impact. So a lot of that plays out. But good question. Good question. We're going to certainly be talking more and more about that as we move on. 
Gonna take a break when we come back. We wrap up the show. Got a few more notes to get to, and uh, and a look ahead at things um, for the next show. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. Uh, can't forget our partners uh, at the NABC. Certainly. The National Association of Basketball Coaches works to further the best interests of the game of basketball and the coaches and players who participate in the sport. The NABC thanks its nearly 5,000 member coaches, including the many Division III coaches who impact our game, for upholding the core values of leadership, advocacy, service, education, and inclusion. For more information on the NABC, head to their website, nabc.com. We'll be back with more in just a moment. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% will go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to Hoopsville as we continue on on this show, actually wrapping things up today. If you got questions for us here at the last second, email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also tweet us at d3hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville, though we tried to live stream the show there today. Didn't seem to work. Don't know why. I have no idea. Uh, we are on, on YouTube, youtube.com slash hoopsville, where we answered Eric's question about UW-Eau Claire, women's basketball. Now, D3 boards were chatting up the exact same question we asked, should you keep Hope number one or not, and so far the the feedback is maybe. Um, interesting enough, Christopher Newport women on February 5th were supposed to play Mount Mary. That's been canceled. They're now traveling out to Wheaton. We'll play that a game against Wheaton on that day instead, and then up to Finlandia, which was previously scheduled conference mates with Finlandia. So Christopher Newport constantly changing their schedule, and that's the challenge with that C to C. So... Lots of great, lots of great stuff on D three boards. Seriously, if you're not part of D three boards, you should be. It's a great chatting forum. Twitter's great too, but uh, D three boards is even better. A couple other notes we should point out. Um, got a great document uh, the other day. 
emailed to us. Forgive me here. Uh, I need to call it up because I forgot to. Uh, combined men's and ba- women's basketball teams in terms of um, of uh, win-loss percentages for, for themselves. Give me a second here. And how they're doing, um, basically, winning percentage and all of that. Totals, how many you know, win column, et cetera, et cetera. Um, pretty cool. Uh, this was done by uh, Sports Information Director Jason Eichelberger at Catholic, mainly because he was curious. Catholic's 25-5 and five, uh, with an 833 winning percentage. Um, there's some interesting ones. Christopher Newport, for example, combined 33-2 and two at, at 943 winning percentage. Um, trying to pick out some other ones here real quick. Uh, DeSales is now 848 at a 28-5 mark. 886 for Marietta at 31-4. and four. Johns Hopkins, 27 and 4 at 871. So is Mary Harden Baylor. Um, 857 for Trinity, Texas, who's 30 and 5. WPI, 29 and 4 at 879. That's a combined of men and women. Really cool. I want to thank Jason for sending along his hard work there so we could look at it. Um, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more, but that's a, that's a fun little note there, keeping track of the men's and women's combined there. By the way, we got some jerseys in the last week. I want to thank our uh, friends who's sending these in. Uh, first and foremost, the Vikings of Barry. We got their jersey uh, most recently. Uh, looking forward to hanging this one up. We didn't change our door, but we will, and we'll get to more uniforms hanging, I, I assure you. But I want to thank Barry for sending theirs in. And then, uh, whoop, this one's caught. Bear with me here. There we go. I want to thank our friends at uh, Transylvania. I'm not talking Brian Lane. I want to thank... Uh, Julie Folks for that. She sent in a jersey from Transylvania. Appreciate that. We'll get these two hung up. We'll get others hung up. We'll get them all set up and uh, probably have to order some more. So the guys who make the uh, jersey hanging system that we have, we got to talk about uh, some advertising here because you do well here in this Hoopsville studio. Um, by the way, regional rankings, I got this in an email, but I was going to talk about it anyway. Reminder, the first regional rankings are coming out Tuesday, February 8th. Unless something's changed, we'll double check it. Uh, men's and women's basketball are going to try and get regional rankings out on Tuesday so that they're more um, reactive to the week. So in other words, data closes on Sunday. Monday, the regional advisory committees will meet. Tuesday, the national committee will meet. And they'll make their decisions then on who's in the top 25s. Or not top 25, regional rankings. Remember, there's 10 regions versus 8. So there is a bit more work to be done. That will then allow... Um, those regional rankings to be out ahead of a lot of Tuesday night and more especially Wednesday night games or Wednesday day games. Um, so they're a little bit more timely. You you can't get them out at the beginning of the week. It's just not going to be possible to do all that work on Monday. But they're going to try and do it on Tuesday. But that's the first regional ranking is February 8th. And then the next one will be the 15th. Of course, the 8th will not have regionally ranked opponents. We should also point out February 8th's regional rankings will be alphabetical. They will not be ordered. Um... This is something that was adopted by the men's basketball committee. We will certainly share the link. Well, it's in our it's in our um, in our show page when it gets to the archive side. Uh, the chat that Pat Coleman and I had back uh, at the beginning of basketball season and the end of football season about this move to go to um, alphabetical ranked regional rankings in the first week, which at first I was against, but then it made a lot of logical sense, and we come up with some other suggestions. We'll talk more about that when we get closer to it. But that first regional ranking will be alphabetical, not ranked. They will, a ranked one will be done. They're just going to present it publicly as um, alphabetical. 
Week two will then include regional uh, results versus regionally ranked opponents. That's the sticking point here. That one will then be ranked. Of course, then week three will be the 22nd of February. That is conference championship week for most conferences. And then we get brackets February 28th. So we don't have a lot of time left in the season. Uh, what, about three and a, four and a half weeks? Because in a week's time, we'll be talking about mock rankings coming up. In two weeks' time, we're going to be talking about the first rankings out. Three weeks' time, we're going to be talking about the second weeks out. In three weeks' time, we're going to be talking – or four weeks' time, we'll be talking conference championships and who's in and who's out of the championship. So we're a month away. There, Give some time. We're a little four and a half month, four and a half weeks away from being fully in on who's in the tournament and who's not in the tournament and all that stuff for the NCAA. So there's a lot ahead of us, and um, – Stick with D3 Hoops. Of course, Twitter at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Instagram at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Uh, we'll have afternoon shows uh, for the next few shows. And then February 14th, again, we should be back to our nightly schedule the rest of the way. We'll have a special on the 27th of February determining who's in and who's out of the NCAA tournament. And then we'll have our Monday show, the 28th, to react to the bracket show that would have brackets that have been released earlier in the day. That's about as far as I've been able to think. We'll hopefully get the marathon out the door next week. We are going to literally send emails today and tomorrow. And if we get good reactions from then, from those emails, then we'll uh, then we'll have that marathon locked in. Going to take a different take on the marathon, but we'll talk more about that coming up on Tuesdays or on Monday's show. Again, Monday will be on the air, 1 o'clock Eastern. Just double-checking to make sure we didn't get any other emails or any messages, anybody else who might be tuning in trying to listen into the show. Um, let's see here. Uh, um, <laughs> talking about the H being used in, uh, Amherst. Uh, that's, it's, it's great. Um, Scott reacting on Twitter and then Ryan talking about it as well. Um, but it, it, yeah, no H in Amherst. It's, it's funny how many people will slam that H in, uh, and Amherst just doesn't like it. Anyway, we're going to take a break until Monday. 1 o'clock Eastern time again. Uh, a reminder, on Thursday shows, we primarily talk about regions 3, 5, 7, and then 9, 10 combined. On Monday shows, we primarily talk 1, 2 combined along with 4, 6, and 8. So that's where our guests will come. If you don't know our formula, if we had a men's guest on from one region, um, the next time we have that region on, we try and have a women's guest on, women's program. Uh, if we had... That that particular conference, we also try hard not to feature that conference. So let's just give you an example. We had Region 3 St. Lawrence on today in women's basketball. So next week, conceivably from Region 3, it will be a men's basketball program, not from the Liberty League. Uh, we had in Region 5, Messiah women's basketball on. Next week, we'll have a men's program on, most likely not from the MAC Commonwealth. In Region 7, we had a men's coach on in Wabash. So next week on this show, we'll try and have a women's coach on or women's program on, not from the NCAC. Uh, and then we had Region 9-10 combined. This one gets a little bit more tricky. We had Whitworth men's basketball on, so we won't go from the Northwest Conference. We'll try and do a women's program. And because it's 9-10 combined, I'm going to try and look elsewhere than the West Coast because I was just on the West Coast. Now, I did go back-to-back on West Coast in the last two weeks, so that's kind of where this deviates. Having a little trouble because the American Southwest plays on Thursdays. They also used to play on Sundays, so we haven't been able to win with them, but we're going to try and get them on a show sometime here in the near future. 
out of that region. But that's kind of how we think. So ahead on Monday, we'll talk region one, two combined along with four, six, and eight. And you can get a sense of who we're going to probably talk to at least gender wise by looking back on the last show. Uh, that's going to do it. We're going to take a break until Monday. I want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their Team One Sports app. If you don't know, you can always get um, you can always get their um, stream or this show on the Team One Sports app via Apple TV, Roku, uh, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. You can just look for the Hoopsle app or the D3 Hoops app. I believe we cross promote on that, or at least we try to. Um, so you can certainly watch the show there. You can also watch it on your mobile device or on your website. Whatever works for you works for us. So check that out. We also want to thank uh, our partners at D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches and Women's Basketball Coaches Association, for their assistance. I say this every show, but I'm, I'm going to say it very seriously here. If you're interested in advertising or sponsoring on this show, please get in touch with us. We have some big shows coming up with big numbers. They include the marathon show we hope to put on the air a week from today. We also have the Selection Sunday show coming up on the 27th of February. We have our Reaction show on the 28th of February, plus other shows along the way. So if you want to get eyes on your on your product or whatever it is, or you just want to support the show, please get in touch with us about advertising or sponsoring, especially this coming marathon show. We would love to chat with you and figure that all out and, and get it taken care of. And that will do it. I want to thank our guests, Dan uh, Roiger from St. Lawrence, Mike Miller from Messiah, Kyle Brunt from Wabash, and Damian Jemlonski from Whitworth, or Coach Jay, as we're going to call him from now on. I want to thank the sports information directors from there as well. Um, of course, Brent Harris at Wabash, always fun to, to touch base with him yet again. Matthew Felton from Messiah, really appreciate his help uh, with the show. Andrew Kane from St. Lawrence, thank you for your assistance today. Uh, or, or in the last few days, I, I really should say. Um, and then Steve Flagel, a good friend of the show. I want to thank him out at Whitworth as well for his help. Um, I didn't get a chance to, to mention specifically the thank yous from last week, but a special shout out to Jeffrey Bernstein from NYU. Uh, we always love having Je uh, interacting with uh, Mr. Bernstein and uh, look forward to catching up with him down the road. You've been listening to Hoopsville. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to watch or listen to Hoopsville. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back Monday, 7 o'clock. No, I'm sorry, Monday, 1 o'clock Eastern uh, is our showtime. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This has been a broadcast of D3 uh, of Hoopsville, part of the DMAC Productions group, and thanks to our partners at D3Hoops.com. See you on Monday, everybody.